ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. About to share this episode thanks to these fine companies I depend on in the field. Game Changer Calls. The GC was designed with all hunting callers in mind. Though elk is the intended target, the unique size is a game-changing tool for turkey and coyote callers as well. It is not designed to replace your tube or open reads, but rather to complement the caller's repertoire in the field. Vortex Optics. Proudly made in the USA, Hoffman Boots. If you're heading to the backcountry and you need some meals that won't bog you down, check out SasquatchFuel.com. 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head over to SasquatchFuel.com. Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly unique products that provide all the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what TAP delivers. For more brands we run and trust, jump on westerncontours.com partners page. Look for the code Western Contours and save a few dollars off your order. Go ahead and and and, uh, and and start this uh, start this thing off, dude. I'm I'm excited to have okay. you back on, dude. I and and okay. fairly short notice. I know you're busy, and you said you're going to a. And what are you speaking at? It's uh, for disadvantaged youth, so they have this after school boxing program, and uh, they wanted me to come in and just speak to the the kids that are involved in it. Maybe give them some little bit of light at the end of their tunnel, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I agreed to go speak to them and hopefully you know help them down their path and it's a it's a boxing program like a like a fighting program kind of thing yeah they yeah they uh it's a boxing gym that puts it on but they do you know boxing is their i don't want to say their priority but that's where they started hmm. um and they saw the effect that they were having on the kids in the neighborhood 
and uh, they kind of spawn from there. So they do like tutoring, and then there's uh, they have a guy that plays guitar, and he's in there, and he teaches, gives guitar lessons. So just to kind of show them that there's more to life than you know maybe the crap that's in front of them, broken homes and hmm. gangs and whatnot. So. So you gonna talk to him about outdoors and stuff like that? Are you gonna what do you what's what's your uh, what's your go to here? I would, I'm gonna kind of let them, you know. I'm gonna give them my back my background and you know talk a little professionally and tell them what gets me going and hopefully I could turn that into the outdoors and you know if they show some interest in that I'll go there. So I really want them to to grab a hold of something, you know. Hopefully I got enough to keep them interested. Maybe give them some. Maybe give them some light, man. Yeah, because, well, California's got some really interesting, I mean, it's extremely liberal in, in the way that they handle wildlife and, and policies and such, but you have some extremely um, great opportunities and some really, really uh, backcountry opportunities, in, in especially Northern California, to get way the hell back in there and not ever be bothered. <laughs> so, I mean, some extreme I, you know, country. So I would say now... Yeah, but I would say more now with, you know, getting back in there, central to southern isn't uh, anything to shake a stick at. Because mm. I can go, you know, to my spot and it's uh, it's fairly, we'll call it fairly inaccessible uh, on the south facing slopes. But you break over that ridge, man, and you can go for 40 miles, um, be in the mountains and never see another soul. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Like when I uh, when I went down there to Northern California, um, I think it was like Cottonwood or Anderson or something like that. Uh-huh. If that rings a bell, um, and just seeing the mountains on the way down, and then researching the units, and just like Jesus, they've got some serious hardcore country back here. Like. Yeah. Holy, it is rugged, like super rugged and uh, more hardcore than anything I've really hunted. Um, A lot of it is really hardcore stuff, like super rocky, steep, um, just (laughs) downright treacherous in some spots. But there's deer and elk and there are deer and and bears and stuff in there and and probably elk in a few spots. You can say elk, man. We have elk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, we it, have <laughs> it's uh, it, it's it, it changed my perspective on on California for sure, mm-hmm. and uh, and we, the blacktails are especially. You guys got some of the biggest blacktails out there. Yeah, we are. We are the, in my opinion, the most underrated Western state. Period. Right, and and going back to what you said as far as policy and things like that. That's one of the reasons. Uh, but to come out here and have year-round opportunity on pig, uh, when you look at our over-the-counter opportunity, and you and I spoke last year when we recorded about that A-zone tag where you can hunt mule deer and blacktail. Uh, and that's like, a, oof, I think at this point, it's just about a nine-week season. Hmm. So you go in and you have like four to five weeks of archery. And if you strike out with your bow, you could, you know, put your rifle on your back and go back after them with your rifle for another three to four weeks. That's crazy. Um, and it's a man. The well, I think I told you that the deer I've been chasing for two years, I won't kill him with a rifle. Right. Uh, but he's a he's a really nice four by five. He's probably and I'm not the best at aging, but he's probably in the five to seven year range and he's a flipping stud man never seen him hard horn only seen him in velvet dude huh 
I'll have to send you a picture of a, of a giant blacktail my buddy Bob uh, took one time um, hunting California. And, and it's it's a giant blacktail. I mean, it is a truly stud blacktail. And it's everything that, you know, a blacktail hunter would ever dream of, of killing, you know. Buddy Bob Morgan there? Yeah, he, he's hunted California um, quite oh, a bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he actually hit me up. Uh, what was that? About three weeks ago, he was coming down to hunt pigs. Uh, at a one of his buddies' guides down here. Oh and yeah, hit me up. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna hit it with him, and then Bob, Bob told me how much it costs, and I was like, man, I can go hunt him on public. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it ain't cheap. It ain't cheap. That's probably the same hunt him and I went on, and and um, yeah. that that hunt, uh, it was awesome. It was really fun, but it, it, it it's not cheap. <laughs> man, I I was shocked though when he told me. And I, I was like, for pig, like I can go on public and and chase pig, right? It may not be the, the easiest opportunity, but then to see the price, I started looking and researching and man, I, I guess I haven't looked at a pig hunt on private in a long time because, you know, back in the day it was like five, 600 bucks. Yeah. Which you can stomach it's double that now. At oh, least. it's, it's, it's yeah. Double to triple that now and and uh it's pretty crazy for a pig <laughs> for a wild yeah, pig man. Yeah. but man was it fun i mean it, it was a blast when him and i went down there and and um if it was cheaper i definitely would have gone with them for sure like i yeah i mean if it was 500 bucks yeah yeah i'd come down every year and, and hunt pigs it was fun it was really fun and on the on the chunk of property they're hunting you'll get you'll get a shot every day multiple shots every day if you can't hit what you're shooting at but <laughs> i remember that I, I, re- I was gonna say i remember that video clip and you look back like what the hell just happened yeah i was like uh <laughs> what's going on here <laughs> that's a chip shot <laughs> yeah yeah i was like i look i'm like i give a shoulder i'm like uh i don't know <laughs> like the pin was exactly like i don't know man that 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 bow is now my bow fishing bow <laughs> It is not. We always blame the equipment, man. I, I promise you that 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 bow will never be shooting at another large game animal ever. I mean that that bow. I wonder. That, 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 I mean, you're a pretty accomplished archer, dude. So that has to be that had to be some level of adrenaline, right? If if I remember correctly, that was your first time in front of a pig. Yeah, that it had to. I mean, yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm I play into that. Well, the the biggest problem was. Um, I mean, I, I was excited and everything, and then I mean, it was excited, but I wasn't like, oh my, oh shit, oh god, oh no! And but the bow blew up on me like three days before that hunt, and oh, okay. and I, it it wasn't it wasn't slamming arrows. We'll put it that way. I mean, it was right. It wasn't grouping very good. At, it was grouping okay at forty, okay, um, and that was a sixty yard shot if I remember right, and so. I forget whether I shot right over him or right right under him, but it was like, what the hell's going on here? And then um, it was tiny. It was it was all sorts of issues. I it blew up on me, um, and and so I like I had a little bit of like a nervousness when I shot, and um, I don't know if that maybe contributed to it because it was kind of like a kind of like a flinch, like a target panic flinch, like oh shit, like is this thing gonna freaking blow up on me again? Right. And and um, that that bow ended up having three sets of limbs on it, and like three months two months oh dang yeah yeah so uh <laughs> it was it was definitely an equipment but i mean straight up i i should have i should have realized that you know the bow wasn't capable and as a hunter as the as the indian i, I you know i should have just 
I mean, that, that pig I ended up killing was 20 yards. And uh, I almost ended up missing that pig because I the bow shot way low. I, I say the bow, but it uh, could have been me, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, I almost missed a pig at, at 20, 25 yards, something like that. And I'm like, yeah, I've never missed a 20-yard shot on an animal in my life. Ever. So, <laughs> like I, yeah, that's a rough one. I, I don't get it. You know, I got the pig. It died and everything. and uh, But it wasn't because... I made a great shot on it. It just died. That's the one pig that, <laughs> that's the pig that died and we couldn't figure out why it died. <laughs> <laughs> which, which for that animal is hella unusual, man, because yeah. that, that's a tough SOB, man. Yeah. We, 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 I talked it up to a heart attack. I, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, it was still fun, but I never got inside the, the thoracic cavity there. It, it never, it never went inside the goodie, uh, part of the of the rib cage it straight up just went wow. right through the meaty part of the brisket and it bled like a stuck pig pun intended i guess but uh Literally. i mean yeah. it, it uh <laughs> i mean yeah I, I that's the best luckiest recovery i've i personally have, have ever had and and uh <laughs> i'll Dude, never, I, I'll never forget him. that trip <laughs> yeah i've shot him and and watched the guts I, it was a frontal shot and watched the arrow go in. I watched the broadhead unzip the belly and the guts out. And four hours later, I finally found the pig still alive wow. underneath a bush laying there. Really? I mean, that is a tough ass animal, dude. <sighs> I mean, guts, guts were dragging on the ground, dude, as this thing ran from me. That's insane. Well, Bob stuck so, his, yeah. hit it good. And um, I, he might even a double lunged it. And it went uphill for like two or three hundred yards um straight uphill and then finally died and there wasn't hardly any blood or anything and um i mean he drilled that pig and uh and after that i was like oh shit like these things are tough like a deer would i don't think a deer would have done that at all um but that pig he just made it as far as he could and and even went in the most inconvenient terrain possible so i was like these things are going to be tough but uh <laughs> what, what about that squeal man what do you think of that squeal when you stick them oh yeah it's just uh, kind of like a, oh shit and uh i, oh, I i've watched man. enough pig uh pig videos like it, it uh mine didn't really squeal that much but didn't um, squeal? i think oh, i think man. if i remember it bob's kind of like made a quick like kind of thing and <laughs> and they didn't squeal or anything when they died um or anything but no uh, definitely, they they make a little bit of a of a squeal when you shoot them, which was which is interesting. Yeah, see, I've never heard a little bit of a squeal. I've hit them, and man, them sons of bitches will make you jump. Oh really? Oh yeah. Neither of these oh, were, yeah, were that dude. vocal, man. They were just uh, the way I remember it was like, and then they just took off. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was really interesting. And when I shot mine, shit, they ran right past Bob. I was hoping he was going to stick another one, but um, he never got the opportunity. <laughs> But, uh, so what kind of tags you got going on this year? So put in for wild. Um, you know, I got a, I got a couple vendettas, man, and mm-hmm. wild rejected me. Um, so I'm gonna put in for the left over there. I was planning to hunt up your way and with this whole COVID thing and they, you know, killed the non-res, oh. I got scared. So I jumped in, put in for Colorado. So I'm waiting on that to come back uh-huh. and see if I'm going to go OTC there or not. And then here, um, put in my typical tag so i do that a zone hunt which is you know just about a third of the state and uh i put in for my home range my little honey hole i call it 
and that is uh, uh, either sex late season tag. Um, so what will happen, and the reason I do that is because I start hunting in July, and I'll be able to hunt all the way through December 31st um, with archery equipment on deer. Hmm. So provided I don't, you know, get trigger happy and, and you know, pull real fast or just say, I'll take it. Um, it gives me a good almost six months, it seems like, of hunting, less the September break for elk. Mm. And uh, put in for my uh, my elk tag this year here, I'm at 17 points, which is max points. So I'm going to actually start putting in for that tag. Holy crap. Uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to get that, that Thule under my belt, man. That's a uh, so, that's that's one that it's either very expensive or very very hard to get. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, max point seventeen, and I'd probably, I mean, realistically speaking, that tag probably wouldn't come until twenty four to twenty six years. But with point creep, it could be as much as twenty seven, twenty eight. That's insane. So yeah, it's nuts, man. Yeah. I'm hoping that this whole COVID thing kind of. I, I shouldn't say that right because not getting funding <laughs> from our tags and licenses kind of hurt us in the long run. Yeah. But I'm really hoping fools, people are reluctant and they're like, I don't want to fool with it this year. Yeah. So, you know, we'll I, don't, I don't know how that's going to work. Was, um, I, I freaking screwed up on my end, dude. And I forgot to put my wife in for tags. I thought I did it when I put my tags in and, and I, I straight up airballed it and didn't put her in for tags. And so, yeah, likely I forgot story. Oh, <laughs> man, it, it uh, <laughs> I got a near fall on that one. So, <laughs> and, uh, and, and she was thinking that, you know, there'd be a good year to draw something because of the COVID. But I mean, even people that aren't working are making more off unemployment than they were on. <laughs> so, right, yep. I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. It's going to be really interesting to see what the numbers are. And, and, um, I yep. know the woods here have been busier than normal, um, for, for bear. And it's been, there's been a lot of people in the woods just shooting, hanging out, driving four wheelers. It's just like people are having fun, you know, like a, like a three month vacation, they're getting paid for it. And, and, uh, it's, I'm not sure how it's going to play. We'll see. We'll see. It's been kind of a double edged sword, right? I mean, the national forest, at least here, the national forest didn't close. They, they, they did limit parking in some of the, uh, parking lots, the trailhead parking lots. And it was nice to see, everybody actually out recreating and enjoying the national forest for once, especially here. Yeah, it's, they, man, they the closed a bunch of, of parks that's being left. Oh yeah. Yeah. They closed a bunch of parks here, man. And, and Washington's the, probably the worst one out of all of all three States. Yeah. And I always say that California is like the parent. And then you got the two kids, Washington and Oregon, and they're in a fight to see who can be, uh, daddy's favorite. <laughs> so yeah, man. it's, yeah. it's whatever you guys do. One of our States, if not both States follow it and then try and outdo you. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't they definitely tried to one up. Washington went full board though, man, dude, they, well, they didn't play games with their, they it. shut how down do close fishing, dude. Yeah. Turkey hunting. I mean, how do you close <laughs> activities that make you isolated? <laughs> So it's so stupid. Like hiking's yeah, legal, crazy man. But hunting isn't okay. Well, how the hell does that make sense? If hiking's legal, but hunting isn't, that's so stupid. I'm just gonna go hiking with a gun. How about yeah. that? 
So, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, we've got tags for Washington yeah. this year. <laughs> That's what most of us do anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, all that my wife loves to go hiking, and I tell her, um, you know, can I go hiking with a gun? She's like, no, that's hunting, and we're not going hunting. We're going hiking, and so I go, okay, whatever, you know, even if it's just for waterfalls, it's just, man, it's Straight just. Off. Yeah. <laughs> right but my uh my mom went to a sportsman's show this year and got a hold of me and kim she got all excited talking to this guide and uh she ended up wanting to do a girl's trip and so she talked my wife and my sister-in-law into doing this bull elk hunt muzzleloader hunt over in washington and then the guy talked me into a tag and so i got a tag for a bow and so we're all i'm just all I'm, we're all hoping that you know nice. washington comes to their senses before um because we paid in full on everything and and i'm just hoping that we don't get screwed out of a hunt this year because of washington not opening up hunting season or whatever to non-residents so yeah, we'll see rough, it looks like everybody's kind of lightened up on it mm-hmm. do you know where they are they still closed i don't know um i, I spoke to the guy and he said it shouldn't it, he said we're good to go and it shouldn't be an issue um and i'm like well, shouldn't be an issue and he's like well yeah uh you know, nothing's guaranteed. He doesn't control the policy, but he says, he says, it, you know, plan on coming up and plan on killing a bull. So I was like, okay, well, you know, we'll, uh, we'll make sure we're ready. I mean, we're going to go up in July and, uh, check out the operation and what he's got going on and, and, um, just kind of see the properties and stuff. And I'm not gonna make it anything out that is, that it isn't. I mean, it's a private property farmers field kind of easy hunt that the girls can get their feet wet with elk and stuff. So, um, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I've never done that kind of hunt before and, and trying to really trying to get my wife, uh, into elk hunting and, and seeing the size of the quarters I bring home. Yeah. I mean, out of a, she'll be doing it out of a blind and, and farmer's field and just hanging out, waiting for the elk to show up basically. (laughs) So, uh, but what's intimidated her is, is seeing the size of the elk quarters I bring home in the head or, you know, whatever. It's like, I, you know, I can't pack that out of the woods. I'm not that strong. And, and so I'm trying to just show her, you know, that you can do it and it's not as hard. It's hard. It's extremely hard, but it's doable. So, right. Man, that's the way you and I'm gonna just I'm gonna check you a little bit. The way you said it, right? Is you qualified at farmers field hunt? Who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> honestly, know? honestly, I don't care. It's just the and it's sad that we have to make that disclaimer, you know. And, and like, oh, I know it's man. not backcountry. And and I had this conversation the other day. It wasn't on a podcast or anything, but it's you know about four, you no, know, six years ago. I started like trying to get into the backcountry stuff and there was no trying about it when I mean, we were, we were hunting backcountry sh- shit and hunting eight miles, you know, in some really treacherous country. And we'd come out every day. We wouldn't stay in there. So I never got like the overnight backcountry stuff, but I was hunting backcountry and then walking out and we'd be, it was made for some extremely long days. And, um, and so I was just all about it, about it, you know, seeing, you know, trying to be that backcountry badass guy and just trying to, you know, make the, make the effort even greater and, and the, and the challenge even greater and in the story even greater. And that lasted for about four years and, uh, wasn't, we were getting shot opportunities and we were, we were getting opportunities at bulls and stuff. Um, but then we started like, well, 
why are we doing that when we're, when we're, when we're getting into elk right off the highway? <laughs> and, uh, and so I kind of switch gears and, and everybody, you know, you hear it all the time. And then you find out the, the, the real story with a lot of these guys. Um, no one in particular, it's just general that guys that want to sound like a badass. Oh, I shot it 16 miles in and took me three days to get them out. And, and I shot them at 90 yards or whatever, just all the stupid shit. And I'm like, <laughs> man, that, that sounds like a pain in the ass. I shot mine. Okay. I brag about how close to the road I can shoot them. <laughs> so I'm like yep. running, sprinting in the opposite direction and just like, how easy can I make this? Not like, cause I'm lazy, but because if you're doing those trips, uh, you know, everybody's got so many Septembers, right? But if you're doing those trips, I feel like you're shortening the amount of Septembers that you get because your body can only take so much. And, and my hips and my ankles already bother me and, and it's not going to keep me from hunting, but it's going to keep me from hunting harder. So if I can, if I can manage to kill these bulls, like this year we had three bulls and minus Anthony's bull, um, who was a big pain in the ass. His was like a mile and it was straight uphill, um, to pack it out. But his was about a mile from the road. All three of our bulls, if you would have added all the distances to the chucks, it would have been less than like 400 yards between three different bulls. And so, um, that's, that's what I'm bragging about. I'm not bragging about how big of a pain in the ass this bull was. Cause if we shot it four miles deep in the back country and it was just, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm kind of over, I'm not over the back country stuff, but I'm, I'm, I'm over, uh, I'm all about like that, longevity. That country and, you guys are hunting in is it's, uh, it's well, I mean, over here it's, yeah, that, it's, it's know. a mile. Did I lose you? Oh, yeah, there you go. I, I lost you for a second. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying that country you guys are hunting in, man. I, you know, I'm watching everything you're posting and whatnot. And, uh, man, all that, all that rainforesty shit we hear about Oregon holds true, man. So a, a mile and a half and that stuff is rough. Yeah, it, the brush makes it way thicker. We were talking about that the other day. Like, would you rather pack a, pack a uh, bull out of Hell's Canyon or would you rather pack a, uh, you know, a mile deep? canyon or two mile deep canyon or whatever it may be or would you rather pack a bowl out of that shithole we shot anthony's bowl out of this year where it's rhododendrons you know you might break something off your bow you might lose an arrow out of your quiver because all the brush is pulling on your shit so much and and it's like swimming up river bases versus like just swimming in fog frog water and uh and pretty oh, much all of us were like well it's a lot shorter hike hell's but it's canyon. <laughs> hell's canyon <laughs> i mean it's pretty bad it's it's it, it is yeah, really tough. tough and it's wet all the time and that's the hard that's one of the hardest parts man is dealing with that moisture and then you know and i'm i'm looking from the outside in but you know looking at that that semi-rocket terrain and it's being you know constantly soaked it's just like man that uh that looks brutal but you guys are getting it done man we had a good year um you know we had it we had a good year i mean it was it was fun and and we hunted our asses off you know we got our butts kicked a few times um there was about 13 days where i didn't see or talk to an elk um and that was like the middle of a, of the plot of a movie, you know, you know, it's just like, woe is me. Everything sucks and elk hunting sucks. And why am I doing this? And, you know, about day 13, I was just like, man, you know, I, I was in elk every day. I was getting 
more bulls bugling for Rosie's than I, I felt like I was Rocky Mountain hunting. That's how vocal all the bulls were being over here. And it was just insane. Wow. And, you know, we killed Anthony's bull on his second day of hunting. And um, it was just like, man, this is going to be an amazing year. And then it was just like after Anthony's bull, it was two weeks of like pretty much nothing. And silence. Yeah. And then, and then finally it started picking up and I ended up spotting and stalking my bull. Um, I didn't get, I never, dude, I never got that up close, ruddy in your face, bugling, screaming at you action this year. Um, I kind of ended up almost like hunting mine, like a rifle hunter would, you know, just shooting them out of a unit. And when I downplay that, cause I'd rather have the up close, you know, like the bull I killed two years ago, but, um, well, that's the sex appeal, right? That's kind of what that's kind of what fires people up about about elk is that in your face screaming you know the ability to talk back and forth but man when it all comes down to it <laughs> you're gonna take it whatever whatever it presents man that scenario is gonna tell you what to do it dictates oh for sure but did you uh did you do anything on the elk last year did you go on any hunts or have any successes yeah i was in the i was in the woods for 16 days and uh, no 11 we planned 16 right because it's all out of state for us uh, plan 16 took my boy with us and then by day 11 the end of day 11 that dude was died, man um, <laughs> he was pretty good mentally he was just like right on that border and it was his first elk hunt physically he was toast and we were headed back to camp and i looked at him and buddy was going back and he said yeah dad i think i'm gonna head back mm. and i was actually gonna stay selfish part of me was gonna stay and i go you know what we're calling it together right i mean that that was like the culmination of that hunt um hard as hell to pull out of the elk woods man with we got our asses kicked garrett i mean we we got brutalized dude um we did about seven i'm gonna call it seven point i think it was 7.32 miles a day was the average and it wasn't like straight lines right we weren't we weren't backcountry deeper and deeper every day that i'm don't it was we were doing basically what i like to call olympic rings so when i scouted this area in in june and july you know i i kind of had four areas picked out that i had a really good sign in and we focused on those areas and i i don't know man there's just so much shit with elk right we (laughs) we went (laughs) we went the second week and what we were trying to play kind of playing on was the temperature and then the equinox and mm-hmm. the temperatures never broke. It stayed warm. Then the winds picked up. We had on a, on a consistent basis every day was 20 to 25 mile an hour winds, mm. uh, which didn't That's tough. do shit for us. Yeah. Uh, well, we heard the entire trip. We heard three bugles, barely audible. And uh, we had one, well, I'll qualify this. So <laughs> we have one, one shot, right? One legit shot opportunity, but it was a chance opportunity. We were, it was first light. We were coming across a Creek bed, kind of come up over this ledge and I hear elk. Well, my boy had first shot on bull. My buddy had first shot on cow. And I look over and the cow is literally 12 feet from us. We're behind some brush and oh. she's pausing like what the hell's going on. My buddy's first time ever seeing an elk. He's froze about pissing his pants. Eyes are as big as like no shit. <laughs> Eyes as big as saucers. And I'm and I keep I'm whispering thumper 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 thumper. <laughs> and he's frozen. <laughs> so then I hear a bull and I look up and and forty yards up the hill ish, uh, a nice five comes on walking on out with three more cows. So I look over. My boy's standing there looking up at the bull. 
And then I looked down, Buddy's still frozen, staring at the cow. And I just said, range. And I knocked one dude, I drew back, and I hear, I forget, I think he told me 58 yards, 58 or 62, one or the other. And uh, I dialed that pin on that spot hog, man. I drew back, put it right on that freaking mark, and let it go. And dude... I'm watching and I can see that arrow. And then all this, I'm looking at that shoulder and I never see the arrow and I hear a boom. And the elk, he, he kind of trots off. He didn't break, but he trots off. The cow bolted. The other cows turned, they bolted. And I'm looking, I'm like, I never saw the arrow go in. What the hell? And my son looks at me, dude, and his eyes are huge. And he goes, I go, what, what was the range? What the hell happened? And he goes, dad, <laughs> he goes, the, the GD range finder, Gave me 117, 68, 50 something, 42. Oh. He goes, and that just looked right. So I called it. <laughs> I, I looked at him and I go, you gotta be fucking kidding me, man. Huh. And I, I was bummed, dude. And he was like, well, I don't know. It's not my fault. You know? And we just had that. We had that rule, right? Five minutes before and after a shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say whatever you want to say. And uh, so <clears throat> went up, didn't see any blood, man. Nothing. Um, uh, the arrow flew into some logs way behind us and uh, or way behind the bull. Never found blood. Looked for, you know, I don't know, 35, 45 minutes just trying to find anything. And then I said, you know what? Give me the damn range finder. And I went and I ranged where the elk was down to where we were. And it was like 42 yards, dude. So I had, uh-huh. you know, he ranged me something like, I think it was like 12 or 13 yards off. So it went right over the bull. Oh, dang it. Uphill. Yeah. <laughs> what range finder what, were was, you guys using? it's a his was a loophole and i think what happened was it was you know it wasn't like that foggy morning but you know that morning mist yep uh, and i think it was just bouncing it just bouncing off of that mist and and just screwed up that range oh and, man uh, we had we had a couple of call-ins but everything would hold up and they give you this they wouldn't bugle anymore like you know hey i'm over here come to me um and at the most, they would rake a little bit, but you had them for a few minutes, and then they were ghosts. And we didn't, we didn't, we didn't play as aggressive as we should have played on the approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first, the first opportunity like that we had, we were actually sitting in camp the first night, and we had dominant position. I heard a bull, and I was like, "Oh shit, grab your bow!" And we went to the top of the hill. And dude, I mean, you know, I caught Cal called on him at a little bit and he started raking and raking and I could never get eyes on him, but I could see his horns, you know, coming through this thin, this thin Aspen Grove, just raking. And, uh, I didn't want to press him. Right. We, mm-hmm. we were, we're in Crocs and tennis shoes and uh pretty steep hill and just not feeling the pressure from, you know, the first evening, um, I was like, all right, we played with him for a while. We couldn't get him to move. The wind wasn't great. I didn't know what it was going to do when we slipped down to his bench. So I just said, oh, we'll pull off of it. You know, we'll get him tomorrow. And it actually gave me a false sense of security. Like, shit, boys, we've been here three hours. And we're in the bulls. <laughs> you want to talk about regretting a decision? Shit, man. And, uh, yeah, we had one other one other good little session, you know, going back and forth with a bull, but the winds I'm blaming shit. Right. But it was, a lot of that is not, is not looking at the whole scenario. Um, and it mm. was really difficult for me and it was, it was odd. You know, I was so worried about my boy getting on a bull that I didn't want to mess anything up. And I've never, I've never 
been in that position before with pigs, with deer. I don't know what it is about elk that just makes me shit my pants. Oh. <laughs> but I was so I was so nervous about blowing an opportunity or messing the opportunity up mm-hmm. that I think it it made me err on the side of caution a little bit too much hmm. um, instead of getting aggressive. If it was deer and, and we were in that scenario, it, it would have been a no-brainer. Hey, you do this, I'll do this, go. You know, so it was really strange. I've, I've, I've lost more animals because I wasn't elk, bull elk, uh, opportunities and, and just, you know, the red zone. Mm-hmm. I, shit's gone wrong because of not being aggressive enough more times than anything else. I mean, it's, 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 I think more opportunities, at least in, in my hunting experience with my friends and I, um, it, we lose more opportunities to not being aggressive enough than to being too aggressive and busting them out of there. Like it just seems like sometimes we can't be aggressive enough. And when we just really, really push it, and we just we step on the gas pedal when we have we don't know it's a question mark should we hang back or no nope, let's just do it let's just do what our gut says and just sell out and that seems to be like when we get shots you know it's it's really weird like I don't know why it took us six or seven years to figure that out but um, you know it's just hearing all the uh, all the you know, back when Gritty was doing his Elk Nugget podcast like five years ago, six years ago, back when he, you know, Jason Phelps was starting and Corey Jacobson were starting to become really well known. Um, at least on the podcast world, uh, those elk nugget ones were, were huge for me. Cause I'm like, man, we're doing so much wrong and it's all on the red zone, like all on that right. hundred yard or less 80 yard or less closing the deal kind of thing. And then, and then, um, it just seems like, being be you know be aggressive just like a cheerleader be aggressive you know it's just it is what it is and and i bet next year you're more aggressive <laughs> oh dude I'm, I, it, you know that's what i was saying like once i once i get them into that red zone it's on like mm-hmm. last year I, and, and i think it was probably the best lesson that i could have had especially being so early in my elk career if you will mm-hmm. uh, that was the best lesson that i could have had because what in my head what happens is we get wrapped up in all the in all the tutorials and tutelage, right? If you watch Michael Batiste or or mm-hmm. uh, Paul Medell or Elk One Hundred One, they have these sequences, um, these calling strategies, and we get wrapped up in holding uh, holding to that strategy, right? Like with Paul, that that slow player, or Michael with his breeding sequence, and the expectation is that this elk is going to come in and give us this opportunity. Well, that elk don't know that he's supposed to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's our that's our game plan. But but being able to run the audible, it, it doesn't exist when you're when you're going through that stuff and you're learning. Like they're telling you, yeah, sometimes you're gonna have to do this or do that, but it never tells you, hey, fucking beeline to them. Yeah. Um, at least I shouldn't say it doesn't tell you, right? At least I wasn't paying attention to them saying, get your ass in there and get it done. It's time to run the audible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We need more audibles. <laughs> yeah, and then man, I, and that's the one thing. At the end of it, right, it was just like shit. What did I have to lose, right? Either way, I was coming out apparently with an unnotched tag. So if I would have got aggressive and busted him out, it would have just it would have been the same as trying to get him to realize that he should be on the same page and come into my calls. <laughs> right? You know, it's the same losing streak. <laughs> well, I, I'll it, tell you when, when you, when you're, 
I don't know how to put this, but like, so when, when we get, we've gotten more confident throughout the years, elk hunting and stuff. And, and, and my buddy, Brad, who I started to hunt with, um, he's like, dude, once you get it, like, once you get a couple on the ground, he's like, it, it just gets easier and easier and easier. And I think, you know, what, what I've seen is, it's just a confidence thing, but that confidence is like, ah, oh, fuck it. If I blow them out of here, I'll get another shot. Like, and so there goes that aggressive thing again, you know, like, uh, over here, you know, I get maybe one or two shots a year, um, on a Rosie's. Like if I get I, this year, I got two shot opportunities on or two shot opportunities on, on uh, Rosie bowls and a stupid little dink spike over in Eastern Oregon that I passed up a shot on him. But, um, and that was like first hour of opening morning. And, um, it just, you know, I, I don't pass anything up for branch bulls or anything like that because that confidence is, isn't there yet with the rosies, but with, with a, uh, and, and also in, in the unit as well, certain units where we've been hunting, it's been super pressured sometimes, but, um, the guys that I know that are, that are absolute killers, they, they're like, ah, oh, let's just see what, let's just roll the dice. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get a bull to answer us, you know, in another couple hours, or we'll find another bull. It's just, that having that confidence and that swag, I guess, is I think what makes the killers really, really consistent. You know, like we always hear yeah. about that. What is it? 10 or 7% here in Oregon, I think, fill their tags. But out of that 7%, like most of those guys are the ones that are the killing them every year. <laughs> you know? I, I think part of that, too, it lends itself to and I'm not taking away from anybody. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, I always tell guys that are consistent in their home range, like, dude, I want to see your ass go out of state. And, mm. and do the same thing mm-hmm. right and that's and that's one of the reasons like i'm trying to i, I want to get out of california but one of the reasons like i'm you know like i'm going to either pnw or somewhere where there's elk i want to live where there's elk because i want to i want to be able to do that if i was you know like with my deer hunts here i can i can go to the woods and see oh i can be selected i'll be back next weekend but when you're dedicating you know, a week, if the average guy has a week off of vacation, the other weeks go into the family. Mm-hmm. If you got a week for an out of state hunt, dude, that pressure oh, yeah. is, it is unreal. Like I've never felt it with my deer hunting, you know, cause that's all in state. I, you go out of state for elk and I'm like, man, you are <laughs> an edge, dude. It is, it's something else. It's a, it's a different game. And not to say that, you know, I was talking to Dirk yesterday and I mean, that guy's, you know, those guys go and they get it done wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, the, they're freak anomalies. Um, but that confidence, he brought that confidence up too. And I think that they can transfer that over, but it, man, that takes some time dude, to come out your own range and do it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that's a, that's a different dynamic. I mean, the same dynamic exists. I think when you, you draw like a killer freaking tag, right? Like a Ram tag. And I've seen that and, and it almost ruins, ruins the experience because you're so worried about filling your tag and oh, you're, man. you know, like this is, I'm only going to get this tag once in my life. Oh my God. What if I miss? What if I, what if this, you know, what if we don't find a Ram? What if this or that? And it's just, it, I've seen that pressure almost ruin the hunt. Uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, a Mount Emily tag, bull tag. It's like, oh my God, you know, like that I just grew up my only chance. That's, that's, you know, I came here for that, for that bull and that yeah. bull's gone. And so it's just this pressure we put on ourselves. Like, I'm curious if it's, if it's pressure to be successful in our own heads or, I mean, cause I don't, I mean, it's not to put meat on the table really, because you can still buy meat, you can still get meat, but then you're not going to have that awesome badass elk strap or whatever. So 
it, it's like it's its own self-made pressure that we put on ourselves. I, it's really weird. And, and you're right. If the dynamic is different and you're hunting an animal that you don't have pressure, you know, that you don't have an opportunity to hunt locally and you have to go out of state, out of state, use vacation time, use a bunch of money. It's like you're, it's like you're making that recipe for, for putting pressure on yourself and almost oh, ruining, man. you know, it's, uh, it's, it's different. It really is. I mean, we're going to, we're going to be drawing a couple tags this year where, uh, you know, we're going to be playing that game of shooter pass. And <laughs> it's so, you know, how do you, cause I've got a different want, need, desire for a bull caliber than my two hunting partners do. Like they're going to shoot the first decent five that walks out, but I'm really looking for something special. And, you know, if I'm somehow first shooter and I pass up a bull that they would have shot, it's like, how, you know, how, how are we going to do this here? Cause that could have been one tag down and then, right. you know, so we're going to be, we're going to be playing that game this year and it's going to be really weird. Um, God, you know, I, I, I don't know how we, if you got any suggestions for that, <laughs> let yeah, me I was, know. You know, <laughs> I, I think you just, and that's what kind of what we did last year, right? Cause I was been chasing that, that deer, that four by five and my buddies were okay with me chasing that deer and they're when we're going in, it's they're bachelored up, dude. There's like any at any given time, it's eight to twelve in this group. Oh wow! And you really have to be okay with okay, it's your opportunity right now. But just don't shoot my fucking four by five. Uh, <laughs> and you and you know, I had to lay a couple weekends down, and it was opportunity at that deer. Like man, he's behaving just a little bit different. I probably should get a little, little bit closer, but hey, it's your weekend. Um, and it really is. It seems like it's a hard decision, but in the moment when you know that your your buddy has an opportunity to watch them go, even if they if they strike out, if they fail, however you look at it, to be a part of that and watch that and then watch their growth in that, man, it was so fulfilling. It makes it easier to walk away from that deer. Oh, mm-hmm. There was a couple weekends where it was like, yeah, I got my bow. If he you know, decides to pop his head up, you know, I'll take him. Uh, but it was really focused on their animal. Uh, but you just got to be willing just to say it's your time. And yeah, this is it. I don't know how you do it on that bull tag. I mean, is that, is that going to be like, you know, a, see for us again, it's, you know, we got eight to nine weeks of season every Friday night at seven o'clock. I'm headed to that spot mm-hmm. and we're there until Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, every single weekend. So it's, it, I, I think with that, it's a little bit easier to deal with. Yeah. I mean, we could draw straws or, you know, chances are, you know, a, a 260, 270 bull will walk out, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, two, the 250 bulls, very, very, very reasonable. Uh, and, and both of these guys will shoot them. And, and it's just like, man, I think, I think playing the odds that that bull is going to walk out before a monster bull does it might as well make them shooters first you know like i'm i'm used to being caller i've been caller for you know <laughs> eight years <laughs> so but my buddy um that i've been hunting with mitch he's like this is your year that you were shooter like no one is going to shoot a bull before you this year this is it's it's not it's he's like it's it's not been fair i'm like why well, I, I can agree with that but i've also been happy to call like it's extremely rewarding to to call and, and to help and, and to take a part of it because their success is my success you know like we share it but my buddy's also recognizing i i told him a couple years ago i'm like okay love you but 
you need to learn how to call or this relationship's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like, I need you to be able to do reciprocate um, when you fill your tag. <laughs> so yeah. that dude, that that's a big deal though. Um, and, and I'm kind of struggling with that and with, with some of my guys, it's like, Hey, you know, I can't, I can't be the one worried about always worried about the area or always putting us in the area or always being the one that goes to the scout or understanding, you know, air quote, the language mm-hmm. uh, or your pack weight. If your pack weight, then should send me a kid that's 12 years old that wants to go on an elk hunt. Not a grown ass man. That's pack weight. I'd rather take a kid out, you know, and I'm not no accomplished elk hunter, but I can get you in the woods on them. Oh, uh, but that's a big deal, dude. I think that that dynamic exists in a lot of hunting parties. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it. I I showed my buddy. You know, I introduced him in, into bow hunting. He got hooked, and um, and then you know, I'd buy him calls. I'd buy him this, and and then uh, I told him just just practice throughout the summer, and if you can bugle, you know, you don't have to sound good, dude. Like I'll just get him bugling, and then you keep him fired up, like let me get in and sneak it, you know, put the sneak on him or something. So we can do, we can make it, we can make this work. And, uh, and he's a, you know, he sounds, he sounds good enough to call on a bowl. I mean, I, I would have no problem. It's, it's a matter of, I think knowing what and when, then how good yeah. you are. And, and like, I, I say this, all, you know, quite a few times on my podcast, you know, after, um, I called in a bowl for, for Mitch, um, is actually more raking than anything really. But, um, he snuck off to the side of the bowl and basically flanked it as it was kind of creeping in on me. And he shot it at 22 yards, um, broadside. And as we're quartering that bowl out, um, I'm trying to get Anthony to come down to us. I'm playing smoke on the water with my reed through my bugle and making Turkey sounds. So it's obvious that we're not hunting. And the only reason I would be doing that is because we have a ball on the ground. And I'm like, hopefully Anthony can hear us um, up farther up the mountain. And uh, as I'm doing that, this six point rips off behind us like 100 yards. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, <laughs> what, what was it? The smoke on the water or the turkey call here? Like, <laughs> go ahead. And uh, I'm like, it's, you, just, you just have to, sand, you know, right bowl, right time, right? We How many yeah. times have we heard that? But um yeah you don't have to sound good. I mean, these guys that, that are overly worried and, you know, send you a video or, or a, a clip, you know, how do I sound? What can I do here? Like, yeah, I can, you know, it's always my, my answer is like 99% of the time. It's like, you sound good enough, dude. Like you want to get good. Or you want to get it done. Like which, which one is it here? Cause they're not necessarily the same thing. And, uh, you know, you, you'd be better off learning the dynamics instead of the, the how to's. You know, the dynamics being what, when, where, and why, then how, because you've already got the how you can make, you can make a mew, you can make a bugle. That's, you know, if you got those two basic skills, you can go out and kill a bull. I did it without a call this year. You can do it without a call, you know? So, uh, it's just really, it's, that's why I love elk hunting. It's because every year we learn something and, and, and it seems like every year, minus Anthony because he killed his on the second day this year. Uh, it's just you have to struggle through something. Then, and then as you as you kind of stated it um, in a previous, I think, podcast or a post, like you get to expose your weaknesses and kind of just get rid of them and just better yourself and make yourself tougher for when you come back into yeah. society. And and um, it's just kind of, a, you know, it's just 
I love that aspect of it. I love exposing the areas that I need to get better. You know, oh, my back really hurt after that pack. Well, you should have freaking did more deadlifts and, and back exercises at the gym, you freaking moron. Next year, you'll do that, won't you? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I will, you know, kind of thing. So, um, it's it just the mountain and, and the elk and the pack and the challenges just expose your weaknesses, whether that's a muscle, oh, a mental muscle, a shooting capability, a tuning issue, an arrow setup, a broadhead setup. You know, I just love it. And yeah, everything about it, dude, it, it's like it, it's the biggest, baddest, best antagonist you could have in your life. And it's year round. <laughs> it's, a ne- it's a never ending game, right? Because, and that's the one thing for me, like we're talking about exposure, dude, it's not little things. Like it's not these little minor things. It's like, man, I was, I was at my breaking point there. Like, how do I get past it? This pushed me to the edge here. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it's more, there's a lot of physical, but man, the mental aspects of staying in that game and staying focused and headstrong through all that ass kicking there's man i i don't know and it's it's, i start to sound cliche talking about elk hunting Mm -hmm. but i don't know in my 20 plus years of hunting if i can take call it 10 of those years and compare it to two years in the elk woods chasing bulls and trying to figure out who what when why where Mm -hmm. it it just doesn't there's nothing that comes close close to me man it is just fucking amazing (laughs) That's an amazing creature, man. What it does to us is something else. It's got to be something because it's pretty much for guys that that have hunted a bunch of species. It seems like on the top of everybody lists, at least 90 – I'd say probably 90% of the the hunters list. Elk is number one. And I don't know why. I mean it's got to be something in our blood or in our our, – I don't know, in our caveman brains that like – that fires off when you hear a bugle it's like the same thing like when you get a bite and you catch a fish and that little like excitement when you get a bite it's that primal like joe rogan talks about it on his podcast like his daughter turns into a little savage when she gets a fish you know like it's that same concept you know yeah and and I, I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about like if you're afraid of snakes, that's maybe part of your DNA. Maybe you had mm-hmm. um, your ancestors grew up in an area where bad snakes were prevalent and they had to watch for poisonous snakes. And so that's kind of in your DNA. And it's, it's, we're getting out there a little bit, but like that, that I, reaction. I agree with you though. Yeah. That reaction, yeah. that, that, evolutionary reaction to that animal has to be programmed into us from somewhere like it doesn't take a city slicker gets excited when they see a bear or a wolf or an elk i mean it doesn't it doesn't matter who you are like you're like you're gonna look at an elk a bull elk whether you see one every day or whether you're a city slicker a different way than you look at a tree you know like I, I, uh, it's really, it's really weird. You don't have to be an outdoorsman to get excited about seeing a bull elk. And if you see one bugling, I don't care who you are. You're going to probably going to stop and watch. Yeah. And if it starts clicking, you better do something about it. <laughs> You'll never forget it. But I, you know, I was funny cause I was just having that, this conversation with a guy from back East, uh, Adam Smith. And, and that's what I was saying. Like, dude, there's something primal. It triggers in, it triggers something that's primal. And I agree with you. Like, it does sound a little bit funky, but like genetic code or whatever the hell it is, whatever yeah. you call it, there's something in our – I like the smell. When I zip open an animal, I like the smell. 
I, 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 mm. I enjoy it. it. It's something about it. And that sounds crazy. Uh, there's something about that smell that I don't know if it completes it for me, but there's something very familiar. That sounds weird as shit, right? That sounds very California Birkenstock <laughs> and tie dye. <laughs> but there is something, there is something familiar about that. I, I just can't. I can never place a finger on it. It's the weirdest freaking thing. It sounds crazy to say it, but yeah, that that's part of it, man. That that primal that primal draw to it that I'll never yeah. deny it. I get that same feeling when I load my pack up of something that I killed. Like when I finally, for the first time, when I feel the weight of what I did, Mm -hmm. literally physically on my back in my pack, that's when I get that same feeling of when you finally zip open an animal. Like, like when I put that bull this year on my back, I'm like, God damn it. I am. Am I happy right now? Like this feels really good. Or, or when I, um, like there's, there's been a few times and I said this before, but there's been a few times in my life where, um, in that exact moment, I felt like I was exactly where I was supposed to be doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And like when I was in Namibia and I shot that blue wildebeest and I was just soaking it all in and I had it on video and I'm talking to the camera and I, I did this and didn't end up making it in the video, but this like cheesy fucking monologue about my feelings and like this is this is, i feel like this is where i'm supposed to be like i feel like right, right. now i'm living and then i'm doing what i was meant to be doing and yep. i'm like i'm looking at my blue wildebeest right here he's dead i made a good shot i made a good effort i did the right thing like that 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 feeling of of that same that same feeling I don't know. It's really hard to describe, but it is something. There's something there. It's not, it's completely natural. It is completely natural. So it's, I mean, look at a city slicker and I keep saying city slicker and I mean nothing by it, but not that you're a city slicker, but (laughs) look at it. That's how I was taking it. It's all right. (laughs) No, not, not you, not you, but let's uh, take, take a New Yorker. For example, they go camping. They still will huddle around a campfire just like a caveman will. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. They still will watch the flames rise up from the coals. It doesn't matter who you are. Yep. Like, there's a reason that a fire naturally across the world, and we are getting way off topic here, but a fire across <laughs> the world naturally makes people want to circle around it, drink a beer, eat an animal, or bullshit. I mean, right. that's not a coincidence. <laughs> no, not absolutely it isn't. It, it goes it goes further than people want to admit mm-hmm. and i don't know i don't know that we as hunters spend enough time in our realization of that right or talking about that enough i think that helps our plight with the with the nons or the, you know not maybe the aunties but mm-hmm. the people that are straddling that line and like you you were just saying you know a cheesy monologue dude now i gotta see that right <laughs> because i think but, but I think that that would hit home with more people. People are, I, people are scared to admit that there's a little bit of bloodlust that comes with it. I'm not going to bullshit it. Like mm-hmm. I like, I like to do it. I like to get my hands bloody. I love the table fare. I love having, I don't care if it's dink horns or, you know, 180 inch mule deer. I, I, there's nothing about it that I don't like. Right. You know, and it's just send us the monologue. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'll have to go back and watch it, and then <laughs> it just grosses myself out. Like I don't know, <laughs> but 
I was just talking to a, a biologist, a bear biologist about um, bear hunting um, before we got we hopped on here, and um, I was talking to him about this this little guy, this little bear, and, and I call him LB, and it stands for little bear, little buddy, or whatever. And uh, I became attached to this little guy because I seen him like six times in a row up in the woods, and um, and then finally I took a couple buddies out there and and um, they missed him and and you know I would love to see him kill their first bear but I'm kind of happy he got away and uh, you know I was like run little buddy run <laughs> uh, but he you know they didn't end up putting it, putting it together unfortunately with that bear but um, I was telling the, the biologist about that bear and how I enjoyed watching him and then there's this freaking beautiful chocolate sal and watching the cub and and the dynamic between those two and, and i got just as much out of watching those bears than i did shooting the bear this year and it's um i i think those kind of situations and stories the biologists like you know i love hearing stories like that because i get to tell non-hunters about those stories and and how you guys you know don't go out there and just kill the first thing you see you know like um he, apparently that's that's a that's a very common thing because he talks to a lot more um, non-hunters than we do because he fields a lot of questions from anti-hunters non-hunters maybe saw an article or saw a post of a bear and like what's going on here is that legal you know and is it even legal to kill kill a bear in cali yeah yeah we only have uh we only have the fall season. We don't have spring bear. Interesting. But so yeah. I imagine if you post a picture of a bear in California, you're just going to get shredded. Um, but, and so that just means that there's a huge opportunity to educate, right? I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that is down there. I, I feel like it, you'd get fried <laughs> if, if you post something down there. You know, it, it actually, it, it's surprising, right? Because for as bad as the picture is painted mm -hmm. there's a lot more tolerance the problem is that the the I'm, I'm assuming right i'm making i'm broad stroking the problem is that the portrayal in the media is such that it doesn't lend itself to it and then being an out-of-state hunter if you will um looking at the restrictions that california places on us um seem very unreasonable and a lot of it is um but i i can't say that some of it is not backed by science some of it a very thin amount of it yeah um, well I, I lost my train of thought oh no we're, but, like i switched uh, to uh, copper bullets after after seeing what california you know in the studies that were done and listening to a few podcasts yeah. um I, I don't solely shoot copper bullets but i was kind of like i had this stigma about copper bullets i'm like I'm afraid pussies aren't going to make me shoot whatever I, you know, I'll shoot whatever I want. And, <laughs> and uh and then so after doing some research and, and listening to a few um studies and, and all this stuff I, I shot you know i've shot a few animals with copper bullets and mm -hmm. i could tell the difference i literally could not tell the difference the performance was the same the terminal um you know the the lethality of it was the same like yeah. and uh man i mean it, it's and if, if it's better for the environment why wouldn't i you know like if, if it is better for the animals and the scavengers and and you know the circle of life and we're all happy kumbaya after i shoot that animal i don't need why do i care what's left like what why right. do i care what i killed it with why am i married to lead which you know causes cancer so why why would i be married to that when copper's doing the job just fine and then it doesn't hurt the animals afterwards if i'm you know rabbit ears a hunter conservationist like a lot of guys claim they, they are um you should probably be shooting a copper bullet i mean honestly yeah that's a that's a rough one though right because what about lead 
in, in fishing tackle. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? So you start going down there, you got bald eagles swooping out, you know, trout and whatnot. And, you know, so you got that whole argument, but shit, I've been shooting copper since 2014 hmm. when California first announced it. And I go, well, if it's coming, I might as well just do it now. Um, and I will, I will tell you that it was hard the first couple of years when they came out, man. And it was rough. Like you were seeing pinholes in animals. Oh, um, and it was, it was concerning. It was like, how the heck is this going to work? I mean, you're talking an entry and an exit, you know, on a blacktail and our blacktail, you know, they can get sizable, but they're still small animals. And, uh, man, you'd have, <laughs> you'd have blood spray everywhere, but it just wasn't what lead was doing. Hmm. And, uh, over the, I don't know, call it the, over the course of the last four or five years, they've really made huge improvements um, to the copper. Like now I don't, I have zero issue with it. Um, if it's a smaller animal, you're going to have to hit bone. Uh, so I go a little bit lower on the shoulder, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, it performs great. What, what copper are you shooting? Uh, the GMX SSTs. Oh yeah. There you go, buddy. That's it. Yeah. That's what I found the most consistency and expansion. And I went through just about everything. Really? Um, trying to figure out what the rifles would like and, I was, you know, because I reload and everything, and uh, that was there. The Hornadies are, are way more consistent, uh, and my rifles seem to like them more um, than the rest of the copper. You know, I, I switched to SSTs um, and GMXs and AMAXs because I was looking for a round to get away from the Nosler Acubond. And for the Nosler Acubond, uh, you know, Dick Rider guys, I'm sorry, but I shot, we had four or five animals in a row that looks like you shot it with a Star Wars laser gun. I mean, it just was yeah. lasers. Needle through. Needle, yeah. like literally 100% bullet um, retention. Like there was no expansion, mm-hmm. no nothing. We had to shoot deer four or five times to get them to go down. And yeah. it just was like, what the heck's going on here? And I, I, I know that velocity matters and all this other stuff. We were shooting these deer all under, all under 150 yards. And, wow. uh, one of them was 60 yards. One mine was probably 80 yards. Um, and then there was two or three more animals we shot and, and just none of them were expanding. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? I've shot Nosler partitions my whole life. Cause my dad loaded for him. And then we switched to Nosler Acubons, never had an issue with them. And then, boom now we have an issue with them like something's going on here and then finally i got tired of it because i'm like i'm not going to figure this out i'm not going to i'm not going to lose an, an animal um because of this and so switched to the ssts and that was just a kissing cousin to the gmx and they all and the gmx the amx and the uh ssts all shoot pretty much the same that i that i i don't even know if i'd have to really make much of an adjustment between those three bullets Right. Um, I probably actually even probably shouldn't admit it. I probably have a mixed. They're all the same grain, but I probably have a mixed even um, in, in a box of ammo. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but they they all shoot the same. The Amaxes explode yeah. on impact. <laughs> From what I've seen, I shot a meal meal buck one time, and there's like zero percent bullet retention, and uh, it just looked like he took a grenade to the deer. Um, lost a ton of meat and, and stuff, but, um, the SSTs have been the best hunting bullet I've ever used. Um, the yeah, GMXs are good. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And what I, and I actually, since I started using the, once they approved and I started shooting factory and, you know, it used to be, Hey, make sure if you're going to buy and you're going to side in, you get you know a few boxes, same lot. I haven't had that issue with the SSTs. 
they've yeah. been consistent, man, from year to year. Um, the last three years, especially on my seven mil, I haven't had to go and recite. I mean, it's like tack driving box after box after boxes. They've been phenomenal rounds. Yep. Yeah, I've been shooting them for, God, how long have I been shooting SSTs? It's been a long time. Um <clears throat> And I, I've never really had any issues with with performance or accuracy, and um, that's been out of three different guns. And it's just been you know this is turning into a Hornady um, plug here, but uh, you know shit, they shoot really well. I'm actually looking at two bullets on my computer desk. Um, one killed a Gemsbuck, and the other one is my uh, is a souvenir I just got from my bear, and they're both like almost pull perfect mushrooms. I mean, just yeah. One's got lead in the middle and one doesn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, hoardedy plug or not, man, when it comes to the the tool, <laughs> right, the, the lethality, mm-hmm. uh, I'll plug it all day long, man. You can't, you know, it's like a good broadhead or a good arrow. I mean, it, it has to, it has to serve us. Right. What are you so shooting I, this year yeah. for, for a bow setup, by the way? Are you still shooting a prime? I'm, yeah, I'm still shooting my prime. Um, I was looking at shooting that uh the black series but uh i figured i'd get some more blood on the ct5 mm-hmm. uh, before i went and did that so mm. right now sticking with the prime unless somebody wants to send me a bow prime pse whoever yeah i don't i don't get perks man so you know it's what fits the pocket and i swore to myself that i wasn't gonna spend more money in gear this year than I was in tags. Um, cause I have a, I have a habit. I just like to try stuff, right? If yeah. I see something and it's like, man, I want to try that out. And, uh, man, I got so much crap, dude. I started giving stuff away and selling stuff. <laughs> it's just, you know, so I've been fighting, I've been fighting the urge to buy a new bow. And I've been, I started shooting that CT five last year, the year before I had that synergy. And, uh, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm not re-upping again, man. That's funny. As hard as it has been. Well, I hear you. I, I haven't bought a new bow this year yet. I've been wanting to buy that Stealth Mach 1. And uh, I shot. I just shot the 80-pounder. And it's a little too stiff for me at 80 pounds. But um, it's in it, it, 80 pounds, it's only four feet per second faster than my Evoke 1. So, right. Or than my Evoke 31. Um, and so it's like, shit, you know. If I could make this Evoke 31 like half an inch longer brace height, I'd, I'd keep it, but it's just not. So, but it's been a great bow. I mean, I might, I might shoot it for another year and just save, you know, 1600 bucks. So, yeah. I mean, that's the kicker, man. That's, you're talking a Wyoming special elk tag non resident at that cost, right? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you're talking a great hunt or a new bow and you're proficient in shooting a great bow. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just fine. It's getting the job done. You know, like I yeah. feel like I, you know, if I see something I can shoot it and this year I'm going to be, um, I'm not going to intentionally drop bombs on, on animals, but I'm going to be really good. Cause I got, I got tags that I want to make sure I, I'm, if I don't have the ability to sneak closer or get closer, I'm going to, I'm going to make a poke. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I've got a sidebar on my bow now, or excuse me, a back bar, which I've never had, um, never felt like I needed, but I've got a side or a back bar on mine. Um, you know, I'm, I'm changing arrow setups to where I'm going a little bit lighter. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making my, my arrow 
uh, my setup a little bit more of a long range um, setup this year, just because I want right. that extra, you know, 20 yards worth of effectiveness. And so we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for, you know, I always hope for a 10 yard shot, but I'm, I'm prepared for, for a longer bomb this year. Well, 60, 70, where you talk of what's longer bomb. We've uh, had this conversation. <laughs> well, I killed it. Well, uh, a long bomb for me is anything over, over 80, um, is, okay. is really a long bomb. So I killed that bull this year, 81 and just pinwheeled him. Um, and now I'm, I use my hinge in Alabama and those, those deer were 20, 25. And then, uh, I've never got better shot, ex- shot execution on an animal than with my hinge. So I'll be using my hinge this year, been practicing with it on bow, uh, bow fishing carp. And that's been really, really the best thing I think I've ever done is, is just practicing shooting carp with my, with my hinge. Um, How did, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. So, so I saw that post man, where, where it looked like you, uh, like you, bottomed out on your uh on your boat <laughs> reel there oh I was yeah like, oh, shit. <laughs> was, i was waiting for that arrow to come back man dude it only goes to like 20 something yards 20 yards and i'm trying to like shoot 25 <laughs> so <laughs> most of the carp i've shot have been like at 15 to 20 yards like i'm almost bottoming out my, my freaking i'm about ready to buy another spool and just tie them together and i can shoot carp at like 30 yards and that'd be cool Heck but yeah. uh dude that that i got it to where you know i shot six carp last time we went out and i don't think the closest one was 10 yards i mean they were all pretty good bombs and one of them was i i couldn't believe i hit it i was just getting tired of standing there watching fish swim by that were too deep and uh so i'm like you know what i'm just gonna aim a little low and and then uh, my arrow disappears and i'm like ah, probably you know probably just i started reeling in my line and then like my line starts going up river i'm like what the hell and i shot that that one i posted it must have been a 10 pounder and all i all i saw was a shadow uh, <laughs> in the water and i couldn't believe couldn't believe i hit it but uh that's been I'll, that's been the best thing for me is for for, uh, yeah. for shot execution yeah i mean so that that's interesting too right because when you when you look at how the water column deceives our eyes and the ability to take a shot at 15 even you know 10 yards mm-hmm. into a water column standing above it i mean you really have to you really have to compensate and and go against everything yeah. that we believe in sight picture when it comes to archery right because you're not you're actually not on your target Mm-mm. no refraction's a bitch <laughs> Hell, so man. um this this water's so murky that i i kept shooting under like i must have um I, i've got it pretty dialed now um but i must have missed probably 30 or 40 carp with my bow before i finally started shooting a few carp here and there and then and then it was like it almost yes yeah now it's like if i see a carp i'm i would get i would put money on it that i would that i'm gonna hit it with my bow and uh I mean, my buddy's still shooting plenty of carp instinctively with my PSE set, my other PSE uh, bow fishing bow. But um, it's just it just took a little bit of practice. But the water's so murky that it looked like the fish were deeper than they were, mm-hmm. and so I kept aiming under them and shooting under them. When re- in reality, it looked like they were like three feet deep. They were only like a foot. So, right. um, I mean, if you ever come up here, it's a freaking kick in the butt. You'd have you'd love it. I mean, you could shoot carp I, for hours. Man, I uh, saw your post and I'm like, damn. And I, somebody else was posting that. Who was, oh, I, I think that was Isaac Aleman out of Utah. Mm. And he was posting it. And I'm like, man, I think I'm going to go because I have that uh, <laughs> that Synergy hybrid. I'm like, I might go grab a little 
a little bow fish and set up and throw it on that. And there's a little mountain lake that I've been going up to with the wife. Mm-hmm. And they have some they have some nice sized carp in there, man. I it's, might go give them a whirl. It's fun. You know, you can buy a good AMS reel for 130, 150, um, and then a bow fishing arrow for uh 25 and then if you want to get a bow fishing rest you can you know your drop away will work um you'd have to drop the poundage down to as low as your bow will go um if it's a mm-hmm. 60 70 pound because you'll start breaking uh bow fishing knocks which i found out the hard way um oh wow and uh because the bow fishing knocks are um they just they basically taper the shaft of the arrow and then they glue on they're just really thin they're not like a regular oh. solid uh knock so mm-hmm. anything over 50 pounds you're asking to break a knock um with, with with the energy of your bow so there's a few few learning curves <laughs> that, that you might have to go through but it is addicting man i mean i'll go probably another 15 times this summer it's 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 a kick in the pants yeah it looks really fun man. but all right well uh is there are you about to your to your speaking event here i don't want to keep you from anything oh no i'm good man that's i'm actually i thought it was going to be more traffic i've been sitting here for about 10 minutes nobody's oh. here yet i'm the only one <laughs> i heard you quit just driving chilling. i was like oh shit is he like is he like trying to get off here <laughs> no no i'm just i'm just sitting here man and i don't even speak till five o'clock but the traffic coming this way is usually two three hours oh wow that's crazy yeah and i got a couple guys that work for me that live out this way and they said oh yeah boss traffic you know it's not as bad as it used to be but it's bad so you know i'm thinking from lax to the inland empire i better leave and yeah. interesting <laughs> took huh. me about an hour so what's your what's your arrow setup look like this year um running the black eagle rampage 300 uh with that 55 or with that 51 grain half out that comes with them um mm-hmm. And then I put on, dude, those, uh, the TAC 2.75 drivers. I don't know if you've seen those veins. They're the, the TAC veins. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of good things about them. Dude. (laughs) Hmm. I, so I went through uh, probably four or five different veins and then, uh, four, one, two, three, four, five, six different vein configurations because everybody kept saying i was curious about the four vein setup right and i'm not convinced i'm still not convinced (laughs) and i it's just you know i've been shooting archery for so long and i've never done it right i I just never saw the need for it um to me it's more drag um down range and and our average shot here in our archery season on deer is you know anywhere from 60 to 70 yards mm-hmm. so i'm like well that's drag so i just went ahead and tested it out and i just i didn't see personally didn't see the improvement um so i ended up going with the tac 2.75 three vein and i did a two degree offset um and i'll probably keep running those kudu point uh contours the 125s um mm-hmm. I really like those. I, I'm pretty much hooked on single bevel at this point. Really? I'm not married to the kudus, but I really, I like the havoc that the single bevel causes. Hmm. Um, it is, yeah, it's just, you can see it in the animals. And then when I'm shooting my targets, I'm pissed because I'm ripping them apart, um, trying to spin the single bevel out of them. Mm-hmm. I just, I I'm convinced that the single bevel is the way I should be shooting. <laughs> yeah. A lot of guys love those single bevels, man. Penetration yeah. on them is pretty good. So. I, it, it's not just the penetration for me. It, it's the fact that they keep twisting as they're going through the animal. Mm. Um, 
just the devastation that the deer I shot last year, the turkey I shot last year, that dude, that turkey bled out in eight yards. Like when Jesus. it was done, I mean, bled dry. And I'm like, well, I've never had a turkey bleed out that fast. Right. And I'm not a head neck shooting guy. I'm putting it through the, I'm putting it through the boiler room, man. Um, and yeah, the, the deer, the blood trail on that deer was something un it was just unholy to see that much blood tracked across the snow. Um, on a frontal shot of all things, I mean, it's just, <laughs> huh. they, they just make sense to me, man. You know, with, with the way the tissue flaps as they keep moving and, and I'm just so concerned with elk, um, just being tough SOBs and then losing my elk and YO, um, I'm convinced man, single bevels the way. Yeah. I, I use single, I use the kudos, what was it? Two or three years ago. Um, and I, I, I mean, they were quiet and accurate and, and everything, and, and uh, they're they're a little soft. But that's really my only complaint about that design is that they're a little soft. Um, they are, they are, and and that makes them hard as hell to sharpen. I mean that that's undeniable. But yeah, get six or seven of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was, should, uh, I, dude. I, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, man. No, I was gonna say because I was shooting the iron wheels. And, uh, though, I mean, you want to talk about a solid build, mm -hmm. great concept, you know, scalpel sharp, easy to hone, super easy to hone, but to see the devastation from the single bevel, I just, I can't get away from it now. That's crazy. I had the kind of the opposite with, with my kudos is just like, man, where's the blood? <laughs> like where in the hell is the blood? And, uh, I shot, uh, was it three animals with them? Yeah. Three animals with them. And, um, you know, it was just like not on, on, not one of them. I was, was I impressed with, with the blood, but every animal no died way. pretty quickly, you know? Um, so, so they, they did the job, but I, I, on that bull was when I, uh, shot that bull, that was, that was the last one. And it only went 50, 60 yards, but it took me cause I didn't, I, I didn't know where it died. It was so thick. It took me hours to find that bull. Um, cause I didn't know how far he went or anything. And there's no, there's like one pencil drop of blood, but you got to shoot what you're confident in, man. I mean, if that's, uh, you know, one of my buddies, Derek, uh, that's all he shoots and he's a killer, you know, that's all he shoots. So, um, but another design you should look at is, uh, pretty similar to a kudu, but it has a bleeder and it's the, uh, Cayuga. Yeah. Um, I was looking, that's what, uh, Jane Nash shoots. I was looking at those. Like I said, it's, it's single bevel, right? It's not, yeah. you know, married to kudu. It's mm -hmm. just that, that single bevel, man, the way it, like I said, the way it twists, it's destructive to bone. Um, yeah. not to say, not to say that the iron wheels didn't fare well for me. Um, and shit for years, I shot, uh, the grim reapers, the mechanicals, and uh -huh. I had great success with those, you huh. know, but that single bevel, man, I send you a picture of my block. You have to spin them out. And it just seems to make sense to me that as tissue is moving, if it's not, you know, a straight path to seal up. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. Just like I said, I'm sold. It'll sound like, a, <laughs> like another Hornady pitch, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's so what are you shooting? Uh, right now, <laughs> a few different things. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to use this year for, for broadheads. I've still, um, God dang it. You know, there's, there's so many I want to use. Um, 
I, I used day six all year last year. Um, I've got Sever on my list because that's one I didn't shoot anything with last year. And then Exodus, I saw I saw an elk die with an Exodus, but um, and I've seen other shit. I just personally haven't killed anything with an Exodus, so I'd like to knock that one off my list. Um, but I, I want to try a mechanical. Um, I tried a mechanical on a turkey last year. I'd like, I was wanting to kill a bear with a mechanical this year, but that didn't happen. Um, so I'm not really sure where I'm going to go from here. Uh, Exodus and Sever are towards the top of my list. And then maybe those Cayuga single bevel bleeder, um, are on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. The blood Eagles from Valkyrie are on my list. Um, it, it sucks. Cause I think I, I shot my favorite broadhead I've ever shot so far. And that's the day six, uh, Evos. That's been my favorite broadhead, um, hands down, um, that I've shot period tested everything. Um, so it's going to be hard to move away from that, but in, in the uh, staying true to myself, I'm I'm hitting and hitting and quitting it uh, and right. moving on, you know. And I'll I'll always have them because they're you know they're fantastic. They are great. I mean, they're they're right up there with the best broadheads I've ever. I mean, they are the best broadheads I've ever used. But um, I really want to start dabbling in in more different styles. And so the the bleeder um, Cayugas, I want to try those and. Um, there's a new cutthroat three blade. I, I may, I may try, but, um, the blood Eagles are pretty sick from Valkyrie. Those are, those are going to be a great head, I think yeah. too. And pretty tough. Those severs. So I, I talked to Isaac and, and, you know, had a opportunity to look at those severs in Utah and he handed me a couple and those are really nice mechanicals, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the design, how they deploy, everything about them is solid. Yeah. I had a, I had a, I had, I didn't know it at the time, but, um, the the guy that I did an episode with Easton um, arrows mm-hmm. and um, one of the guys I had on there was the I think the director for Sever and mm-hmm. I was um, I told him a not good story about one of my buddies having a bad experience with him and he's like oh, I haven't heard any <laughs> any uh, uh, bad about him or anything I'm like well you know I've had two or three guys tell me that they didn't you know they had to shoot their bull four times with them. Um, and then, uh, you know, I don't know about the shot placement, but the guys I, I know that are shooting these, these broadheads and telling me this are pretty, pretty solid guys. And, um, I'm like, I, it's like, it's like the kudu, um, the year that I shot them, they were the most talked about and debated broadhead on all the forums. And that was the number one broadhead I was getting asked about. And so I'm like, I got to form my own opinion on this. And so I used them all year and shot only three animals with them. But, um, I felt like I had a good experience that I could talk intelligently about them and give honest to good feedback and then last year it was the day six i was getting asked about so i used them all year last year and now it's it seems to be um the sever seemed to be kind of a hot one still from maintained from last year and then um, i'm getting asked about the uh, the blood eagles quite a bit um here and there so um there's not really oh in the annihilators um the annihilators i mean that has a lot about the annihilators so um, and those are actually surprisingly how bad here, go ahead how bad does your broadhead test I don't want to say taint you because that has a negative connotation mm-hmm. but that would play on me like unbelievably so I'll watch I'll watch your videos your YouTube on that broadhead test mm-hmm. and I'm like I can't watch this shit because Garrett will have me spending a thousand trying what? to figure out what broadhead to shoot how does that how does that play into your selection well that has to wreak havoc on you 
It, um, it's, it's, no, it's actually really easy uh, on me because I, I get to test a, a, a ton. I mean, we got probably 30 or 40% of those broadheads sent to us um, mm-hmm. uh, from either companies or people that wanted to just, hey, test this broadhead out. I've been using this one. So, and then um, through that, uh, you know, we actually came up with a few suggestions for companies and exposed some things that, hey, this is a serious problem with your head. You need to fix this. And, oh, okay. And so, you know, we, we, and I keep that information confidential, not because I'm, I'm, I'm on board with anybody or, or anything like that, but because that was honest to goodness, maybe something that they did fix and which they did, um, multiple of them. And, and, and I don't want people to not shoot that broadhead because of my test. Um, I want them right. to know that, Hey, the you know, problems haven't solved. We had a couple of companies back out. Uh, say, hey, 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 well, after we found out what kind of tests you guys were going to be doing, we started testing ours and, and hold off on it. You know, <laughs> don't don't use ours in the test. Oh, so, wow. yeah. And so, you know, we're moving the bar even just by what we're doing is we're exposing mediocrity and, and weak, weak mm-hmm. points and broadheads. And, um, you know, there's some guys in the industry that, that have shit on my test and stuff like that. And it's fine. Um, you know, they're the ones that are biased. Of course. Um, but <clears throat> even when they play like they're not. Um, So honestly, it makes it really easy. And I think that people, when they see what heads I'm shooting coming out of that, out of that test and that the ones that I, you know, that you can predict which ones are probably going to do well, the iron will, the day six, the Valkyrie, those are pretty obvious, you know, higher end broadheads. And they all performed in the higher end of our tests. The ones that surprised me were annihilator. They performed better than I expected. Um, And so now I want to use them in the field. And so day six was number one in a lot of the different areas. And so I used them all year last year. That was easy. I was like, I'm using the best broadhead I tested out of like over 40. So hell yeah. And um, so it's really easy. It's really easy. And especially on the mechanicals, man, I'm not going to use a G5 dead meat. I will not use one. So, um, you know, screw that. And so I, I'm finding out a lot of these because mechanicals to me are just, you're already rolling the dice. I'm not a huge fan of them. Um, straight up, I'm not a huge fan, but I believe time and place there is, there is a time and place for them. And, and, um, you'll see me probably on a, on a turkey hunt with an expandable. Cause I think that's a great time and place for them. And, um, you know, I shot the, uh, the severs. I really like the severs. I haven't killed anything with the severs. I might go out and kill something tonight with them. I don't know, um, a turkey or something, but, um, it, it, to answer your question, it's not hard at all. It makes it real easy. And, and when you're done with these tests, if you uh, if you don't completely trash them, you can resharpen some of them and actually still use them or, or give them to a friend and have them try them out. So, uh, yeah, I think I'd be handing those off to a friend. You guys put those broadheads through. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was fun though, man. And and um, you know, it was it was 99% positive feedback. And uh, and you know the the one percent, you know, you're probably never going to make them happy. Um, yeah, who so, cares? Everybody but, has their opinion. Yeah, you know, and and honest to goodness, um, you know, I I think when you're surprised by the results, you know, you did a good job. And, and I think, I think that's because you, you know, if you're surprised by the results, you're not having a bias. I mean, there's, there's, like I said, to mention the three ones that were kind of obvious that they should perform better, um, because the metals used the design, the mechanical advantage that they had and, and, and all, all those perfect cocktails of things that make a good broadhead pretty obvious. So, um, it, it validated the areas, the, the broadheads I thought, and I was, I was surprised by the broadheads that I thought I didn't know what they would do. So, um, 
it's fun man what were the what were give me one or two that were like standouts that that just totally took you off guard tooth of the arrow um performed much better than and i, I and i've used tooth of the arrow on elk and um on on a deer and with success but the performance um on the penetration test was rather impressive for being a four blade they they kept up with three blades um that was that was that was pretty cool i did not expect that they uh they're pretty freaking strong some guys like oh they broke a blade off mike yeah but we're shooting concrete man i mean and and sometimes maybe they may share a blade off on a shoulder or a femur you know that's it's 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 a good price point it's 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 a good for what it is um the exodus surprised the hell out of me um i knew they were going to be tough and i knew they were going to be good but they they did really well and they performed best out of all the fixed blade or the uh replaceable blade broadheads um they did the best so um i mean there was there was a few others the uh (laughs) what the cold steel ones my buddy gave me those were like a poly like a plastic um like a polymer like like a polymer one yeah um (laughs) those ones didn't surprise they wouldn't even hit the target half the time so that's weird um, i don't even know i i like watching the test like i enjoy this the piss out of it right mm -hmm. and and some of it's eye-opening like you're saying there's the there's the ones that are like yeah i kind of expected that the hardest part for me is dude i'm a creature of habit like if it's if it's working, don't fix it. But if I'm going to change something, it takes me eight or nine months to like mm-hmm. make the decision to change, you know, like mm-hmm. I have to go through my, my process. Like last year it was, you know, it was a shoot off. I'd go to the range and uh, a couple of days a week, it would be shoot off day. And it was between this one and this. One. <laughs> yeah. And you know, this one that, and it, dude, I made it back to 128 yards. Right. And I'm like, okay, Everything has to be dot. I was good for maybe about seven or eight shots. Because <laughs> uh, at 128 yards, dude, that that target is tiny. That's a bomb. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but it was what's grouping the tightest. And and to in order for me to judge that, I had to feel good through every shot. And that's really what my decision last year came down to. But it's so hard for me to break something that I feel is working for me. Mm-hmm. And I, and I want to venture into other stuff. But, man, it's it's like it's just it's sticky ground for me i give it to you man i it's hard for me to say okay i'm gonna try this this year and try this next year yeah i don't know how you do it it's it's that well it's it's i mean honest to goodness that's that's who i am so it's super easy i'm I'm just being who i am (laughs) so yeah but and and i'm not paying for all of the products you know i get i get a like a very very few of them for free um and then uh, you know sometimes i'll get a discount you know for for you know if if they're like yeah you know we're not you know no but we'll give you a, a little bit of a discount and so right um in in you know these companies are getting hit for discounts and free products all the time by you know mm-hmm. a, a guy who's a professional hunter but his only picture is a bluegill kind of thing like the Jason Phelps saying and <laughs> and uh, you know it, it's just it's hard and and I don't blame companies for being you know not stingy but just being protective and and stuff like that but this year um, honestly it's going to be more arrows than anything so um, I completely sold out to the day six setup last year and great setup and everything this year I'm trying to build like Franken arrows um and so i've got like the easton injections with the t6 components on them i've got the titanium yeah the titanium inserts in them um you know you can do the hidden inserts with a footer on them 
um, or maybe matching that with a uh, Black Eagle or a VAP TKO or something like that. So there's there's a lot of different um, arrow setups. And, and it, what sucks is that my, my day six setup is actually um, that I had set up a while ago was actually out shooting my freaking I was so pumped about the injections but when I shot them side by side the day six were performing better and uh I was like happy I was like oh cool but at the same time it's like man I spent so much time on these fucking injections that like uh, I, I'm gonna shoot these but I know I'm not as accurate as I could be um right. and and I've always said accuracy above everything but I, I think if I if I keep playing with my setup a little bit and I keep tuning I can get them I can get them to shoot just as good and we're only talking literally maybe an inch at 50 you know difference Yeah but when you're anal when you're anal about accuracy being everything dude that inch is it might as well be a mile it drives me nuts because it's like man my pin was my pin was holding really freaking good and what i'm doing and i'm shooting six arrows and i'm shooting um and i'm staggering the groups so um day six injection day six injection day six injection and then until i'm out of arrows and then it's kind of funny i'm like okay well this group's obviously tighter than this group but you know we're we're taking tape measures (laughs) at this point and it's like man you know like and I've, and I've got four or five different vein configurations on the injections and, and it's like just trying to figure it out. It's, it's a, it's man, is it time consuming? And, um, <laughs> but it's, it's fun. I mean, yeah, right now I'm playing with veins and, and that's been my big thing right now is veins and arrow setups and component systems. And it's yeah, the, check out those tacks, man. What was that? Uh, the tacks, the drivers, I'm shooting those two seven fives, dude. And man, that, that is a nice, it is a nice vein and it's, it's oddly, it's oddly quiet. Um, hmm. it, it doesn't even make sense that you can barely hear it break the air column. It is just insanity. I will um, give those a try. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a, so far, it's been a great vein, man. It's the yeah, I, I'm digging them. Yeah, you're I'm just really you're, 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 you're the final straw um, about those broadheads. I've I've just heard too many too many people talk about them, and, and then now you're just the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm gonna have to buy some and test yeah, them out. I was a little leery on them, so I just bought you know what is that a twenty four pack or something twenty six pack, uh-huh. and uh, I'm like shoot, I you know I'm looking for for more. I bought <laughs> so with COVID hitting, I I was like okay, I'm gonna just build. I haven't built arrows in two years and I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna just, you know, go back to building my arrows. I need something to do. And I bought, I bought three dozen rampages cause that's what I've been shooting. Mm-hmm. And so I started building those and then I won on one of the IG giveaways. I won some of the day six arrows. Oh, nice. And, and, uh, the, well, the, yeah, it's nice, but the problem is creature of habit. I can barely get away from shooting the rampages to get the day sixes to shake. <laughs> well, the day sixes would be way more heavier too. That's a completely different animal. So I, I put a couple of them together, and what's funny is there's not I'm not seeing that much difference. Are you in using the arrows. what compare what components are you using on the rampage? Um, just the outsert that or the half out that comes with them. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not really changing anything. I have the tax and then I put my wrap on there. Interesting. Um, I figured they would have been the day sixes would have been way heavier. Dude, I was shooting probably probably an inch, probably an inch lower with the day six. And speed wise, I haven't seen much of a difference. At twenty or, uh, or what? Yeah, twenty yards. Okay. Uh, and you did chrono and then I'm them not, too? Yeah. And they were plus or minus and my chrono's not the best, right? So they're plus or minus, call it five to 
four to five feet per second different. Okay. So um, they're probably only like 25 grains less or something. Yeah. They're not bad at all. And I'm shooting right in that 273 and a half, 274 range. Perfect. Perfect. But they, uh, they seem like they're, I mean, for me, an arrow, I want durability. Like a broadhead, I'll shoot it. And, and if it does its job, you know, I expect one use. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, on my arrows, man, I want, you know, it's like I need longevity. Hmm. And uh, those rampages have been durable as heck for me. That's crazy. That's crazy. I've heard a lot of guys have the opposite <laughs> experience. Well, that's two opposites, man. Like the kudus and the blood. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but you know, that's why that's why you know we have so many different arrows and manufacturers and everything because mm-hmm. what works for one guy may not work for another. I mean, it's it's. And that's, that's why it's all subjective. Hopefully, if anything, oh, Jesus. all the podcasts you and I have done and the testing, the videos makes people go out and find out for themselves, you know, that's like, where it is that, 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 and, and your approach of being unbiased. Um, and I think that's hugely important and I, and people need to understand, and I, I'm going to repeat it, that the stuff's not free, right? You're getting a small discount. So there's no reason I don't get nothing for free. Hmm. Um, and, and I have people offer, I would rather pay to keep the unbiased approach. Then you're not committed to backing something that you don't believe in. Right. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that I watch your YouTube versus XYZ YouTube, because I know where it's coming from. And that, dude, that I don't, I don't know that there's anything more important when we're looking at the subjectivity of gear and being unbiased. It just, you can't go wrong with, with having your equation, if you will, and I'm, I'm not trying to blow your head or smoke up your ass. I don't want nobody looking at But having that <laughs> well, equation come it. together in that manner is yeah. very important when it comes to gear in my head. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I mean, I mean, Dudley, Dudley, to be honest with you, Dudley's in the position in that someday I'd love to be in with all the, you know, designing a freaking bow and then be like, hey, does anybody else want me to help design a bow? You know, like – and then going with spot hog and then designing a site through spot hog and, and, uh, it, you know, that's the, eventually the dream, that's the dream job for me is, is helping companies refine and design gear. And, um, I mean, God dang, he's living, he's living my goal dream yeah. right now, man. And, and just watching him start to shoot spot hog and then. I, I, uh, he, he, I don't even know if he'll ever read a post I, I write or anything, but he said shooting a spog and, and, uh, he's like, what would be your suggestions for the, for the knock on model? I, I would create, you know, what would you change? And so I wrote like a freaking, um, biography about what I would change about a spot hog. And, uh, <laughs> and it got like, I don't know, 50 likes on, on a comment. I'm like, some of my posts don't even get 50 likes. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, but obviously, you know, the pulse, the, the hand on the pulse is, is there. And, and I told them like, you know, they, they're not a big fan or, um, um, I'm not a, they're not a big fan of mine. <laughs> so we, we've had our disagreements and, you know, I, I think they're great people and, and Chris and I have had some good conversations there, but, um, you know, they're, they're not, they're definitely not a fan of mine and, and, um, and they won't listen to me. So maybe you can get them to do some of these things. So, but you know, he, he's in the position I want to be and I'm so far from probably, um, you know, where he's at. Cause he's, he's top of the ladder for, for authoritative, you know, here's what this right. is. And, and he's got the, he's got the background with the Olympic shooting. And, and so, but maybe by the time I'm, I'm his age, I'll have that, you know, um, you know, well, authoritative, you know, like, Oh shit, seal of approval kind of thing. And that's, that's something I've wanted to, the, o, um, OP symbol, 
um, like like my hat. I want that, you know, to be stamped on products. I'm like, oh, this is like ADA approved, like dental association. Uh, right. OP is going to be the, you know, the <laughs> bow version of that. <laughs> but I've heard, I've heard you say that before. You'll get there though, man. Hopefully, and like I said, yeah. you know, for with with guys that are watching that 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 appreciate the honesty and I'm not saying like Dudley's thing is not honest, right? That dude's a stud. Oh, but yeah. how many guys wanted to jump off the closest, you know, 70 foot cliff when he made this jump over to PSC. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 Oh, I mean, he, and I think, <laughs> I think it's important, man. <laughs> well, he's, I mean, he's got his sponsors and then I'm not sponsored by Dick and I hope I never am honestly, unless it's like by like maybe a boot company or something that's not like bow hunting, absolutely like directly bow hunting related. But you know, if, if like a boot wanted to sponsor me or, a uh, somebody who makes i don't know freaking a grill like if traeger wanted to sponsor me like they do everybody else uh, yeah why wouldn't i do that you know <laughs> i can make a burger or like chad mendez you know like or, or like, yeah. dudley or rogan but um you know i mean i don't know man i mean everybody's got their biases and, and brian and i have become i'd say pretty good friends and and i talked to him i haven't talked to him in a while actually but I, we talk pretty regularly and took me on that white tail alabama hunt and i'm like so you know guys could say well you're biased you know for day six and you know yeah maybe because i like brian but i told brian the the ideal broadhead you know if anybody could ever make a broadhead here's what it would look like and then he sends me a picture of exactly what i just described and him and i had never talked broadheads before and that's i'm like badass. son of a bitch i'm like you did it and he's like yeah. that's he's like that's what you're describing and i'm like son of a bitch like that is my broadhead that i dreamed about like that is what i would design if i had a broadhead and so um you know there's a reason that i like that broadhead that's because i thought of that broadhead after technically brian did <laughs> but he had the resources <laughs> to create it you know like that's i mean that's i feel like that's my own baby um but it it's it, it also tests through the freaking roof so i don't know i mean guys could say i'm biased for that but you know that's that's probably well, the only I, I don't I don't know that you're going to ever avoid some type of bias, right? When mm -hmm. something works for you, I, I don't know that that's, is that a problem? You know what I mean? Like, you know, I catch hell for Sitka. I've been wearing Sitka. I think they came out with Optifade and a year after I've been in Sitka. And now I, I man, I get so much shit for wearing Sitka. But I pay full <laughs> price. Like I don't, I don't get 5% off, right? If I could find it on mountain archery or, uh, what is that camo fire on sale? Yeah. Apparently just kind of get but the shit works for me. So yes, I'm biased because when I go in the field, I'm good. Yeah. Right. I don't think that that's a bad bias. Well, I, I think that yeah. that bias is, is necessary for what we talked about way earlier. And it, it, it lends to your confidence in the field. Who, who gives you shit for wearing Sika? Like how dare you wear that premium camo? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Design. I, I, somebody called me a fashionista. Oh my I posted God. something and somebody put hashtag fashionista. Yeah. I'm like, whatever, buddy. The shit works. That guy probably hunts out of a blind and also, you know, I don't know, uses scent killer. I, 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 don't, I don't know, man. I, I spent my days, my years in BDUs and I went through the real tree and I went through Under Armour and Sika made sense and I tried it. And dude, there's no turning back. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, if that's, if those are the kind of biases, that we're going to have at least 
it's a field proven bias and it's not something that was Garrett sitting in his office on the phone and now the bias is there. Yeah, you know, it's field proven. You can't you can't shake a stick at that shit. Man. Well, I'll I'll tell you. I, I think you are hitting a, a, a an area that you and I are probably very similar. You know, I have a bias, and I've said it before. I'm I'm I have a bias, and I'll tell everybody I have a bias for shit that works. You know. Yeah. So sorry for having a bias. I I have a bias for <laughs> shit that's proven, shit that works, and that's going to make me more effective and better in the field. So yeah, that's it. okay. That's what I'm. T- I'm team what works, and it sounds like you're pretty much in the same boat. <laughs> you gotta be right. We go out out there we spend we spend ample hours preparing I, for me 90 percent of my day has some kind of hunting thought in it i don't give a shit what i'm doing i could be in a meeting and at some point an elk is walking across that fucking table that somebody's talking <laughs> so, <laughs> you know so mm. so i'm all it's all it's just a constant for me and and i gotta have what works i gotta have things that i feel lend to my success and if it's camo it's keeping me out there longer or more comfortable so I'm not distracted and I'm ready to draw back and not freezing cold. If it's a broadhead, I know that I'm not going to have to question its lethality. It's just necessary. It's absolutely necessary. Well, I mean, I, I make fun of scent killer for, for most guys, Western hunters. Anyways, I make fun of scent killer and, and, um, you know, because you know, you walk and hike for ten minutes, you're you you, you probably sweat and stink, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know I, but it, you know that scent color. If that makes you a more confident hunter, I'm not gonna say competent, but more confident hunter. I think you're more. I think you're more deadlier. I think you're. I think you're more mm-hmm. lethal in the woods. If, if we already we already covered confidence, and if that spraying that shit all over you and you think that works or hanging, um, you know, a scent thing behind your trail or whatever, you know, weird thing you're doing. The the wafers, the hat wafers. Yeah, the wafers (laughs) or, you know, or, you know, you're, you have a Montana decoy and and I've done this and and you spray it full of elk piss because you're think that's going to work. And, you know, I I don't know. I've done, I've done, I've done it all. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was more confident when I went out in the woods with a decoy that reeked like elk. And then I'm like, oh, this sucks. You know, like I think I'm into elk every single second of the day because I smell my fucking decoy. Like this is stupid. And and now my pack stinks and now my hands stink and I can't tell when I'm an elk before I'm an elk. So I I dropped that, you know, but I was confident when I was doing it, dude. And and we had a big 5.280 class bull come in and almost stuck them. And you you know what that confidence even though we were being half retarded uh almost got us a big beautiful bolt and right you know it's it's just i don't know man i mean the kudus have it, they worked for me i didn't they didn't do what they wanted for me but they work for you confidence mm-hmm. you know so i could beat a dead horse but um it's just it's just what it is and that's hunting and that's why you have gold tip you have easton you have all these other products and then you have 50 million different types of, of uh, broadheads out there. And it's just, yeah. I don't know. I, I will say, man, on the scent killer, you can't go wrong with the powder and the damn deodorant. Mm, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. in my in my early season, it's 110 degrees. <laughs> and without a thing of powder, you are in trouble, buddy. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> well, is, and, uh, and if you're hunting out of a unpleasant. blind or a tree stand and you're like just hanging out and you're chilling, I get that. Yeah, I could. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I didn't do it when I went hunting in Alabama. And those things are the biggest crackhead of deer I've ever seen. But, you know, I mean you're not going to see anything if they're smelling you and and you're not going to get away with anything. So, um, you know, I, I could see it if you're stationary and and everything. And, and I, I just hate using shit that 
you don't know. You, you can't prove if it works or doesn't work. Right. And I'm just saying the powder, bro. The powder, the powder. <laughs> you, I've you never tried have... the powder, so I, I, you're gonna you're gonna make me try the powder now because you gotta have the powder if it's hot, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of my next purchases might be a thermosel. I don't know. I, I really I hate mosquitoes, and uh, and if I have uh, like up at Hoodoo, if uh, if I go up to Hoodoo this year, I might oh, I might God, buy dude. I might buy a, a thermosel and, and test it out and see if it works. They, they work. The problem, the problem that with a thermosil, and that's the reason I don't carry mine around hoodoo is it's too windy. Um, even down in the bottom, you know, like where you're set up, we just have that constant breeze, Mm -hmm. um, that I, you know, they, that the commercial or the, you know, the pictures, whatever shows it's 15 foot barrier. Well, yeah, if it's stagnant, you know, if there's not, if there's not a, a, a mouse fart blowing across you, then it may work. <laughs> huh. um, but, you know, going back to what you said, sitting in a blind, sitting in a tree stand, as long as the air is stagnant and it's not moving, they work great. Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, there's we'll some... use it in camp. You know, camp really? is great. But outside of that, I, I can't take them in the field. They just don't. They don't serve a purpose when, you know, when there's any wind, it's, it's just blowing away. Interesting. There's some lakes around here that are just mosquito. Like you think you're in Alaska mosquitoes and mm-hmm. they have giant German Browns in them. And, um, I've never wanted to go because of the mosquitoes, but if, if a thermosel would actually work, um, I might, you might get me, you might see me out there on one of those German Brown lakes trying to fish for like a 20 pounder. I mean, we got some giant Germans, um, German Browns here in Oregon and, uh, just the mosquitoes are what keep people from going after them. Really that get the, uh, the Sawyer, the, uh, they have the, lo- I don't really like the lotions. Um, I, I just have a weird thing about putting pesticides like directly on my body. <laughs> um, yeah, but like the Sawyer gear spray, dude, that stuff is money. Really? I mean it, Oh my God, man. Ticks, mosquitoes. They don't, they don't deal. Have you, um, uh, and what have you I tried the permethrin? Yeah. Is that's that stuff- what I, I use. Dude, it's money. Really? That stuff is, yeah. When we went, we went to Colorado last year to scout the first time. Um, I don't, I don't know how or why we forgot our stuff. I, I just, I don't know. And I thought hoodoo in 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 Oregon was the worst mosquitoes in the <laughs> world until I went and scouted Colorado in June and July. Really? Um, dude, we would be. Co- I man, I'm not bullshitting you. We would be covered in a hundred, two hundred of them oh, on Jesus. your hands. It, it's eighty degrees out, and we are zipped and buttoned up in hoodies with gloves on, and our ears and our face, our ears were swollen, dude, for like a week. Wow! After leaving there, yeah, that doesn't so even sound like in fun. That instant, no, it, well, it was. It looking back on it, it's funny, and it, I actually have some footage where I I stalk up on this doe just to check her out. She's down in this little ravine. And in the video, you can see the the cluster of mosquitoes in front of me is just, it's unreal, man. Mm. It is, uh, yeah, get the Sawyer stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to check that out. So the the one that I've been trying, I'm going to run it this year uh, when we go scout. And then if I end up in Hoodoo, um, is the, uh, they have basically it's a child's formula. So it's like 30%. Um, instead of running the high, running the high, uh, percentage, it's uh-huh. less pesticide. So I'm going to try that one out and then use the gear spray. Right on. I'll have to try that out. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. I promised myself this year after I got that tick infection last year, 
Um, I was like, I'm going to try something this year. I'm going to be more responsible, not getting bit by ticks. Yeah. And I've only got bit by one this year. And, uh, only, yeah, <laughs> I got bit many. by seven or eight last year. And, uh, oh, was it that many? I yeah. remember the arm. Yeah. The arm. Yeah. That was the war. That was the one I, I think I left the head in there somehow. And I actually am looking at the scar. It's, it's, it's scarred, um, about a eraser pencil size scar. And, wow. uh, yeah, that sucks. And it wasn't good, but, um, so, hey, you should come up here. I know we talked about this off the podcast, but you should uh, talk about it on the podcast. Next year, if the world hasn't ended from COVID, uh, <laughs> we, we should uh, do like a swap hunt. You could do pigs or something or, or something down there, and then I could do bears for you up here or something. Yeah, we should do that. We, we I know we talked about it, man. That would be awesome. Have you, I'd love to get up there on spring bear, dude. That You guys, how many – I know the last time we talked, you guys were in like 23 or something. How many have you seen? Um, I've only gone out another two times, um, and so I, I'm up to 25 now. Um, I went once in the morning with a buddy, um, and then I went – I had two hours last night to go out because she got off work late. And then we saw an absolute dink uh, in in the two hours that we were out. But, I mean, if I kept hitting it, I could probably hit 35, 40 bears. That's crazy. I told yeah. you I was giving people mess because they're like, man, I'm striking <laughs> on them bears. And I'm like, what? how the hell are you doing that? And Weaver's out there. And he's, he's in like 80 bears a night. Oh, shit, yeah. I, 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 on this bear po- uh, podcast I just did, um, I told the guy, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to pass the ball because I don't want to seem like an expert. <laughs> like I see bears, but the guys that I know are killers, you know, they'll see 60 bears in, in a season. And uh, in spring season, they'll see 60. You know, they'll see a lot the born and raised guys i think i saw 14 in like two or three days so um but they're hunting day and night yeah and they've got a killer spot they yeah they got something stuck to their asses though you can't (laughs) keep those guys out of animals man no i mean well they got a really good bear hunter with steve steve steve's an absolute killer and uh they've got a good area um and we hunt some of the same areas, but they also hunt a different area that it's much harder and it's more, um, you know, it's harder to hunt and, and you can't drive to most of the spots. So, uh, but we, we do hunt some of the same areas. And so I'm hunting stuff that's a little bit, a lot more pressured or a little bit more pressured, but, um, those guys are absolutely, absolutely some of the best hunters around here. I mean, they, they are, they are legit in every word, um, meaning of the word. I mean, especially with Steve on the bears, that guy could be a bear guide if he wanted to. Um, but among my group, um, there's been three killed and one, two, three. Yeah. Three. And, and they've lost a couple this year. Um, every year people lose bears. It sucks. Um, they're extremely easy to lose if you don't hit them just perfectly. Um, but yeah, it it very, very, very common to lose a bear. Um, so I mean, I shoot until I, I don't know if you saw that video, but I put three bullets in that bear because he kept moving. So, yeah. Um, hit him that, again. Hit him again. <laughs> yeah, hit him again. Yeah, and then so finally on the last shot, he didn't even tell me. <laughs> he just heard me rack another bullet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've I've lost bears with, I mean, and I can say it perfect behind the shoulder shots, and that's why I started aiming a little farther back because I'm getting more lung, and mm-hmm. uh, it, they just seem to ball up faster when you hit them about two or three ribs behind the shoulder. So. Um, and that's that's what we started doing and or, or or high shoulder shots i mean you take out the running gear good luck you know yeah good, good luck moving good luck moving yeah so now do you think that lends itself to like are you in an area that has more clear cuts or anything like that 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 uh, lended itself to that that density or um, just seeing more animals it's it's habitat is 
we just went um, over this on, on the other podcast. I was asking him like, you know, about bear populations and, and um, we have the, we have the feed and we have the habitat and we don't have hounds anymore. So uh, you, you basically took out your best tool out of your belt and threw it in the garbage and said, we're not going to use this anymore. And um, so now we're, you know, the, probably the average size bear has gone down. Um, the boars are still getting killed, but there's more sows that are being killed. Um, and so it's, it's really tough. It's, I think statewide, the guy said we kill 1400 bears in Oregon statewide a year. Um, but we have 30,000 of them. So about, wow. yeah. And, What's the quota? Uh, well, we have 14 or 4,400 tags. Um, and there's no quotas. It's just tags. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and so the success rate's pretty, pretty crappy. Um, there's 60,000 bear tags, about 60,000 bear tags, I think he said, are sold every year in Oregon. And only there's less than 2,000 killed a year. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's really crappy uh, success rates. And I don't see how when you can go out and fart and see a bear, you know, I mean, it's really <laughs> says, says Garrett Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not making I know, guys that'll argue, <laughs> I know guys that'll argue that shit up and down the street, man. <laughs> oh, man. I, I can tell you if are these guys in Oregon? Yeah, oh yeah, uh, buddy. I'm well, giving, I'm giving Oregonian hell about the bear. I'm like, they're like, oh, I'm out here bear hunting, haven't seen shit in three or four days, and I'm like, man, call Garrett. Yeah, in three or four days. I mean, some guys in other states will hunt weeks and not see a bear. I mean, in three oh, or that's four how it days. Is here. Yeah, in three yeah, or four that's days. How yeah, there's there's been dry spells where you know three or four days I didn't see a bear, you know, and then I see five or I'll see six in a day, and then I'm like, mm-hmm. oh crap, you know, my count's getting up to 15, 16, 17, 24, 25. and so. Um, if you're not seeing bears this time of year, hit it and quit it. Find a new freaking spot because you should be. And if, if you're, you're, you're forcing it bears, you don't have to force it. You cover ground and you find a bear. That's really about as easy as it is. And if you're not hunting an area with a lot of units, yeah, find find, Yeah. Go find a freaking bear. Go find a unit. And you know, all the units I thought I would see bears in, there's only been three that I, I thought I would see bears in that I actually did see bears in. And so they have all been in units that I'm like, why, why uh, there's a perfectly perfect unit right here. Why is he in the three-year-old or less unit over here that barely looks like there, you know, a snail's living in there. So, um, you know, people are forcing where they think they should see bears and they need to start hunting where just start glassing everything. And I think they're probably driving, they're driving past bears if they're not glassing everything. So, um, you know, your buddies can take that for, for what it is. Uh, if they're not seeing bears this time of year, you better hit it and quit it, you know, find a new spot, um, or start glassing units that you haven't been. Um, cause even on Memorial weekend, we, we in the morning and I don't like going in the morning cause I, I think it's almost a waste of time. We found a bear. So it, it is what it is. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> some of them, I think there's a couple of them. They get distracted with, uh, you know, running across a little elk sign. Oh, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty fun. Are they hunting you down by me? No, I think uh, they're they're up the way. Uh, like I'm gonna say Salem North. Mm, um, mm-hmm. A lot of those guys have been area. driving down. I've got buddies that live in Salem and Portland. They're driving down here to come find bears. So mm. um, the biologist I talked to, you can tell this to him. Sayuslaw has the densest bear population in all Oregon, which is actually closer to them than me. So. Um, 
tell them to start hitting up the Sayus Law over by the coast. That's the densest bear population they're going to find. Wow. Yeah. And it's coastal then, huh? Yeah. It's, I mean, there's, wow. um, Sayus Law is between like Alsi and, uh, Tioga. Um, mm-hmm. so like, um, I guess north of Smith River. Um, and Smith yeah, River is, yeah. You know, looking at moving up there, I I actually found a, a nice little property up there, and I missed it by like three or four days. Mm. Told my wife, this is it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it disappeared pretty quick because we were hesitant. Damn. What you're, so you're looking at moving up here? Yeah. Oh, I'm working on it, buddy. Dude. <laughs> Let, me <laughs> yeah. Let me know. Let me know. Don't worry. <laughs> we will, we will get you. Have, you. have you um, had any success with bears at all? Uh, yeah. I haven't hunted them, seriously hunted them in probably three or four years. Uh, last year that I seriously hunted them, I tagged. Um, last year, I said I was going to go after them because I have an absolute monster on one of my deer cams. Uh, I mean, this dude was like, you'd barely see his legs. He was so big. Hmm. And uh, I didn't have many days to pursue him. Um, But he's, you know, I was up in that area last week. I'll probably hang cameras in a week or two um, to kind of see how the deer are going. And if he shows up again, we'll we'll be chasing him this year. He's a monster. Really? Huh? Yeah. Man, I mean, those, those, you get those eyes. I got an eye on one bear this year and I just came, became obsessed with this one bear and then I never ended up seeing him again. I, I hunted him six, like six or eight times and, uh, he got spooked out of there by another one of my buddies and, and, uh, just never saw him again. So it's like, dang it. But if you yeah, can they're get hard as hell to hunt here, man. Oh, I imagine they probably cover a ton of ground. I mean, with the climate you guys have, um, they- and, and we don't, we don't have any management, right? I mean, you go, especially in my local range, there's no, there's no management. So everything is thick and overgrown. Um, it's huh. just nasty. It's hard to, it's hard to make your way through. Uh, me and a buddy went up, I think that was the last weekend of season. And, uh, kind of figured you know okay he's going through here man we got we got in this thick so deep and you could tell he was in there and we both kind of chicken shit it out you know mm-hmm. we're in there with archery equipment um i want to arrow him <laughs> <laughs> and uh and we we were like man this is nuts we're we're backing out of here um we were we were foobar if we came face to face i mean and most times you know those black bears are skittish and they'll yeah. take off on you uh-huh. this dude is just way too big to risk um, I'm not willing to, <laughs> I'm not willing to flip that coin. <laughs> I hear you there. I mean, it's, it's, uh, seems like every year I, I, I get into these certain situations and it's like, mm, I don't have my pistol on me today, <laughs> Yeah, but yep. That's how, I'm bad with that, man. I'll, I'll leave before I look. And mm-hmm. most of the time it has to do with terrain that- and there's always regret at the end of it, you know? So yep. it's like, man, I got to got to get a little smarter <laughs> well royce's bear this year dude we we followed it to a cliff and i'm like i can't f- even see how far down this cliff is and it turns out we were standing like directly above the bear but the bear died behind this little root wad we were like 30 yards from it and uh and we made the right decision because we just didn't know i mean um it's just not worth it you know i mean we found the bear right off the bat the next morning and and uh got it out of there but it's just it's just not worth it you know it's the, the animal's still going to be there. If, if you killed it, you killed it. And the weather shouldn't, well, down there, it could spoil, I'm sure, because you guys get hotter than we do. But um, it was still getting down like 45 at night, 30, 37 at night when, when oh, they killed yeah. that one. 
Yeah, shoot. I actually hunted in three foot of snow this year, dude. I had a, <laughs> I haven't hunted in snow in probably, I'm going to say 12 to 13 years. And, uh, hmm. man, it was just, it was nice and cold and we were getting dumped on and I was chasing, you know, in this, this home range, there's a couple of nice little bucks and I was like, I'll get one of those bucks and got up there and it's three foot of snow. And I'm like, you know what? The deer that makes me work the hardest today, I'm just killing it. I want to kill something. <laughs> I want to kill something in the snow. I love it. <laughs> and man, oh man, what a fun freaking experience, man. It was just, I, that was the probably the second or third time that I've ever hunted in snow. Uh, first time I've ever hunted in that much snow. And I just, man, I had such, it was just a, the best, one of the best solo trips I've ever had in my hunting. That's sweet. Yeah. It's fun. It's, that was fun. And especially when you kill an animal, you just pop the meat down on the ground. You don't have to worry about it getting dirty. <laughs> yeah. You're not even tripping. You're just like, Oh, let's go. Yeah. And then the blood trail. Yeah. I have to send you the picture of the blood trail. It was just like, Holy hell. That'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah send me that pick. But it was a that was a blast, man. Well, hey, uh, your you, your speaking engagement's coming up and I need to get going here too. So let's go ahead and wrap this thing up here, brother. All right, brother. I appreciate it, man. Well, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I wanted to catch up with you on the podcast and stuff, and and I appreciate you what you've been doing, all those giveaways, and and um, just it's just watching your podcast grow and your audience grow, and it's it's just pretty cool, man. Uh, you're doing a great yeah, job with your podcast. That. Yeah. Thank you. That, that, you know, we talked about it earlier. Sometimes it feels like, uh, what for? And then you get those responses and then, you know, people interact and engage and appreciate it. So it's cool. And that giveaway was nuts. That was, uh, that was so much fun, man. It hit right when, you know, I had that long range giveaway and it was one big package. The COVID hit and people were just blown apart. And we just made it like a every. I think we did ended up doing like fifteen days of like live mm. giveaways. Holy smokes! And man, with people do that. I'm sorry, I'm gonna drag this on, and I'll get off right now. Oh, but you're good. People, people in the industry, I never talked to, that I never, I never had a conversation with. Were like, hey, can we give you product to throw in this giveaway? Like this, you know. And man, it was just like it solidified why. I feel the way I do about hunters and hunting. It was, it was a cool freaking thing, man. I, I was all about it, dude. It was yeah. awesome. I mean, have you ever had these giveaways? You're like, man, I'd sure like to keep this. <laughs> there was, dude, there was a couple things where I was like, can I get one? <laughs> exactly. It's like, man, how do I finagle a way to get me one of these? <laughs> yeah, I just want one. It's funny. And uh, it's just little stupid. I shouldn't call it stupid, right? It's not like uh crazy old company, the, uh, the tag wallet. Yeah. Right. For like the paper tags. And I'm like, dude, this is a great idea. Reusable zip ties. Hey, you know, can I get one of these too? Yeah. You know? And I'm like, this is perfect. Cause we have, we have the damn paper thing here now too this year. So oh, that's funny. Yeah. I've got one of those and, and, um, I've got one of his shirts and it's, it is probably actually my favorite shirt. He has a really good shirt design. I really yeah. like it. Yeah. And uh, Ross is a really good dude too. Man. He is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that guy. Shout out to that guy. Crazy Elk Company. Um, yeah. Makes some killer. I told him like, I know your main product's the tag wall, but man, you got some killer shirts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He sent me a leather patch hat with it. And uh, man, I love that hat too. Yeah. Just, and, and, that, and that's the plus, right? When you, when it's involved and it's just good people involved, you can't help but to like it. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a good you guy. I, I like that guy. Yeah. But yeah. all right, well, uh, you, hey, thanks, thanks for coming on and and um, and, and allowing me to, to share a podcast with you, man. I know it's uh, you're busy and and um, you've got a lot rolling, so I, I appreciate your time. No, man, I appreciate 
the opportunity and I'll always honored to, you know, sit down with you and catch up and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, let's, uh, we have to map out that, that trade hunt, man. Let's do that next year for sure. I am totally down. I mean, it is, it's cheap both ways because pigs aren't expensive yeah. and neither are bears. So no, let's do it, man. I'm, 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 I'm definitely in. I want some spring bear action. Uh, well, we will, we will, we will make your friends jealous. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, they already met. I'm rubbing it in, buddy. <laughs> keep, All right, brother. Well, them up. All right, man. It was good talking to you, and, and uh, yeah, go help those kids. Yeah, you too, man. I'll talk to you. Thanks, Garrett. Yeah, you have see a great you. one, bro. You too. Bye. us on instagram at western contours jump on itunes google play and podbean subscribe leave us a comment and don't forget to hit that five star rating we appreciate the support and until next time lay them down we spend a lot of time preparing for our hunts and how we fuel our efforts is key head over to valley to peak nutrition.com helping you perform optimally in the backcountry the purpose of valley to peak is to provide sound nutritional information supported by science to help you prepare and perform optimally in the backcountry there's no secret this is done through education coaching and programming based on personal goals and preferences head over to valley to peak nutrition.com or catch them on instagram at v2p nutrition